You're tuning in to the Raised by Rentals program. This podcast will contain strong language and spoilers for decades-old media properties. everybody this is the podcast where we examine pop culture franchises of the vhs era and improv new stories like dirty dirty scabs crossing the sag after picket lines to imagine how we might improve our favorite movies tv and games i'm josh i'm mike and we were raised by rentals mike it's not quite autumn yet but for me the road to spooky season has begun because my kids have finally gone back to school. <laughs> <laughs> my mine have my kid is not yet, but it's coming. It's like two weeks away. <laughs> oh, yeah, and see that's unusual for me. I one of the many things on the list of things that I have not gotten used to now that I've been living in Texas, coming from mostly you know growing up in Western New York, and even though I've been in Texas for like a decade and a half, there's still some things I've never gotten used to. And that is one of them, which is that the new school year starts in the middle of August instead of in September. Mm-hmm. And it's like I always sort of associate months with certain things that happen in that month. You know, January is New Year's and February is maybe like Valentine's Day. You know, you mm-hmm. kind of have – and maybe it goes back to like little kid calendars I had in my bedroom, you know, as, <laughs> right. a, as a little guy with like, you know, oh, it's like, you know, uh, what is it? Uh, April showers and May flowers, you know. Yep. <laughs> And so I always think of September as the back to school month and doing it in August is kind of weird because to me, August is like the height of summer. It's the hottest, nastiest days when you definitely need to be at the beach or at the pool. But my kids have been in school for a week. Right. (laughs) It's like, that's weird. It's kind of weird too. Like, just like I've never gotten used to hanging up my Christmas decorations in shorts and a (laughs) t-shirt. That would mess with me so bad. It's, it's the weirdest thing where I live in the Austin area winter, like true winter lasts for like a week and it shuts the entire fucking state down. And then it's like 80 degrees again. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I couldn't do it. <laughs> I am not a hot weather guy. Yeah. It's, it's getting kind of brutal. I think we're getting to the point where we're, we're making some serious thoughts about what to do as the kids get older. <laughs> like, do we really want to stay here? It's it's too hot. You know, it's, right. I don't know. Like it's something that Christina and I have been thinking about, but regardless, you know, I'm happy that my kids are back in school. I work from home. So when they're off for the summer vacation, they're here all the time and I'm here all the time. And the two dogs are here all the time, you know, <laughs> and it gets to be a little much. So as much as I love them, they got to go back to school. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, and I, I'm happy to have them out of my hair a little bit. Um, but yeah, so Caleb goes back in September, right? Your son. Yep. Uh, so like t- the traditional back to school and what, you, what grade is he in now? I can't remember. Sixth grade, right? He'll be, yeah. He'll be going into sixth grade. Yeah, so he he's about the same age as my son going into sixth grade. I went to go tour the middle school with Griffin, and man, that's kind of a surreal experience because he's like my young guy, you know, mm-hmm. and my older one, Tegan, is already in high school, and I think I've had a couple of years to kind of get used to that, but, you know, taking the, the younger guy to the middle school, and now he's going to be going to different classrooms for his classes, and because it's Texas some of the campuses outside and, you know, they do a lot of things outside. So it's just kind of a, kind of a strange uh, experience, but 
anyway, because it's back to school season, we've had on our schedule for a while, and several people have suggested in the meantime that we pick the most obvious of properties to feature for a back to school special, which is Back to School, starring Roddy Dangerfield from 1986. Woo! <laughs> so I, uh, I'm a, I definitely a fan of this film, but I have some thoughts after rewatching it critically. So <laughs> we'll, we'll get there. Yeah, yeah. Let's definitely talk about it for a little while. So. Yeah, I remember loving this movie all the way back to being a kid. I said it came out in 1986, so I'm six years old. I probably saw it on you know Showtime or HBO or from the rental store. So I definitely would have been seven, probably eight years old when I saw the movie. And I've always thought it was great. It's to me, it's another one of those classic like feel good 80s comedies. You know, it's not a John Hughes movie, but it might as well be. And Ronnie Dangerfield was having like a comeback in the 80s. I think it was like his third career comeback. Right. Because <laughs> he was like in his 60s in this movie. Yeah. And I didn't really know much about his past. Other than I knew he'd been a stand-up comedian for a while, even before he was popular in the 80s. You know, things should kind of pick up. But I didn't realize that he started as a professional way back when he was a teenager in the 30s. Mm-hmm. Which is crazy to think about. And he had a career resurgence in the 50s and then the 60s and then again in the 80s, uh, you know, and so mostly known as a stand up with his I get no respect routine is probably, you know, his uh, his <laughs> right. most well-known bit. Uh, but I thought he was a good actor and he was in a lot of fun movies in the 80s uh, I or hell, when did Caddyshack come out? 80s and early 90s, because there, there was some early 90s flicks he was in as well that were really good. Like, I, I always remember his terrifying role in uh, Natural Born Killers, where he was the creepy father of, um, mm-hmm. I can't think of Julia, uh, Juliette Lewis's character. Um, ah, uh, Mallory. It was Mallory. Mickey Mallory. Yeah. yeah, it was Mallory's uh, fa- like stepfather. So it was just creepy as hell. And to see him, you know, going from this lovable, charismatic you know, goofball in every one of his movies to suddenly he's like this skeevy, sleazy, you know, drunken, abusive father. And it's like, holy shit, he played that really well. He did. So. Yeah. <laughs> and I hate, I, I hate to disparage the guy, but like, you know, skeevy, sleazy, drunken. I mean, that's kind of him in Back to School, too. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's but it's funny because it, it shows that like, and I have a comment about this when we get into the movie, but. Uh, you know, it, it shows that if you have a little bit of money and are charismatic, people let you get away with a lot of shit. Yeah, I have a soft spot for ladybugs in my heart. <laughs> yes, yes, fuck yes. Um, I, I used to love that movie. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, what is his, what's his name? Jonathan Brandis, right? He was in Yeah. There. So yeah, let's talk a little bit about the movie before we get into an improv for today. Because I feel like this is a movie that to guys like us... It seems like, well, of course you've seen this. If you're of a certain age, an older millennial or a younger Gen X type person, you grew up in the VHS era, of course you've seen Back to School. It's, you know, sort of a standard. Mm-hmm. But if you haven't, like, let's, let's talk about it a little bit. So, yeah, the Rodney Dangerfield is essentially the main character of the movie, although Keith Gordon, who plays his son, is also kind of a central focus. So Rodney Dangerfield plays... Thornton Mellon, he's a rich guy. He owns a whole string of like retail stores, the tall and fat clothing <laughs> stores. Yep. <laughs> uh, and he was played by a young Jason Hervey in a in a cameo at the beginning. You know, Jason from the yep. Wonder Years and uh, there's the fucking Monster Squad and Back to the Future. I love that dude. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, but anyway, so Thornton Mellon, he's this rich guy. His son, Jason, is away at college. He thinks that Jason is on the collegiate diving team, high diving team, and that he's doing really well in school. He's in a fraternity. But Jason is sort of avoiding having any visits from his dad. So Thornton, who catches his second wife, played by Adrian Barbeau, another great member of the cast, sort of one of these mm -hmm. great character actors of the time. I mean, you could probably tell us all about, you know, her uh, cinematic history, but fuck The Fog, mm -hmm. Creep Show, Swamp, Swamp thing. thing, Escape from New York. I mean, she's probably in a shitload of your Boogeyman's Closet movie reviews. Oh, <laughs> yeah, dude, I, I have mentioned specifically the uh, the line from Sequest 2021 uh, that I want to be an Adrian Barbobot <laughs> because <laughs> right. she pops up in so many of our flicks. Um, and I used to have a huge crush on her when I was a little kid. Um, <laughs> I mean, why wouldn't you, right? I mean, I saw Swamp Thing very young and I'm like, I like her. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> well, not to derail like the plot synopsis, but in one of the early scenes in the movie, Rodney Dangerfield or Thornton catches her making out with fucking Robert Picardo <laughs> at a party at his house. And I'm like, this is one of the great character actors that we always talk about on this show from the mm -hmm. fucking burbs. He was brilliant as a villain in inner space. I fucking love that dude. And he has this great cameo role in Gremlins 2. Yep. If you've listened to the show long enough, you know that I stand Gremlins 2 fucking hard. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> Uh, so that and that's kind of the trend we're going to get into, like right at this very beginning, we see that there's so many of these great character actors. And when I was making notes for the show today, I just kept going on and on and on and on just about the cast alone, because I'm again in this early scene, fucking Timothy Stack plays this, you know, one off cameo character talking about a painting on the wall, some uh, like, you know, trendy hipster type from the 80s. And I had to look up Timothy Stack. I'm like, I know I've seen him in a thousand TV shows. Like, what the fuck is what is this guy really known for? Like, what's the thing that I can mention? Oh, yeah, it's Timothy Stack from. And I couldn't really figure it out because he's just been in a bunch of like sort of random stuff. But mm -hmm. I realized after looking it up that I'm like, oh, he's the fucking dude from the Tales from the Crypt uh, episode where he plays a conjoined twin. Yep. Which that's, is a great episode. That's the first place I always think of him from. Is from that town. I love that episode, <laughs> but I, I love that because wasn't he saying like uh, we were just looking at your wife's Clint, and he's like, <laughs> oh, you too, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was the painter Gustav Klimt, the painter of the yeah. uh, the painting that uh, he had hanging on his wall. <laughs> so, just the fix of his time. Oh, you too, huh? <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> so you know. Thornton breaks up with his wife. He takes his buddy Lou, who's fucking Burt Young from the Rocky movies. Oh, I love him. <laughs> and and they take off to visit his son Jason at what's it called? Grand Lakes University. Yep. And, you know, of course, a, it's a fictional college that I had to look this up because for some reason it's not in the IMDb trivia. The University of Wisconsin at Madison fills in for fictional Grand Lakes. And man, they mention it in the movie, but Jesus, what a beautiful campus, right? Yeah, it's really cool looking. It's exactly like Rodney Dangerfield says in a scene where I close my eyes and you picture a college and like this is what it looks like. But anyway, not to belabor the point too much, so they get to the school, they meet up with Keith Gordon, who plays Thornton's son, Jason, and I love Keith Gordon, and I had to look up, like, what he's been doing since the 80s, because for me, he's always the dude from Christine. Yep, same. <laughs> That's yeah. exactly what I always think of with him. 
Uh, and I also love him in Jaws 2. I'm a Jaws 2 apologist. That's probably another <laughs> Boogie Best Closet movie I'm going to have to do one of these days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I looked him up, and it turns out he's been directing TV for the last, like, two decades. And tons of awesome shows, like, on a regular basis. Like, he's a steady Hollywood TV guy doing, like, Fargo, Legion, Nurse Jackie, Dexter, and fucking even Better Call Saul, which is one of my favorite shows. So, oh, yeah, wow. mad, mad, mad respect for him to, like, you know, veering into a new career. But, yeah, go look him up on IMDb. He's got a huge list of TV directing credits. Very cool. Uh, yeah, anyway, let's just go through the cast a little bit more because I feel like there's a lot of like, you know, at least for me, there's interesting stuff here with all these cool character actors. And I hope that people who listen to this show care about these sorts of like little details and these guys from this era. But there's Robert Downey Jr. I don't have to introduce who that is, but of course he is Kirk motherfucking Lazarus himself. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and I and I always think of this as one of the William Zabka trilogy movies, right? Mm. Are you with me on this one? Oh, absolutely. William Zabka, of course, famously plays bully Johnny Lawrence in Karate Kid, bully Greg Tolan in Just One of the Guys, one of my favorite guilty pleasure movies, mm. and bully Chaz in Back to School. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> Although then, we, we, we could talk about it, but I, I feel – He's less of a bully in this one and just more of kind of a dick. Um, but, you know, he's not even that big of a dick. <laughs> like, yeah, he's kind of I don't know why everybody hates him so much in this. Like, other than, you know, yeah, he's he's rude to Jason. Like, he doesn't like Jason. But it's like, all right. I mean, how many people liked you in school? <laughs> you know, it's like yeah. there was always that guy that didn't like you. Like, who the fuck cares? Yeah, I feel the same way. He doesn't really do anything to Jason and Derek, who's the Robert Downey Jr. character, other than just be kind of an arrogant egotist. But yeah, he doesn't push them around or sabotage them or anything. He doesn't even throw the fucking punch when he gets in a fight with Jason at one mm -hmm. point in the movie. Like Jason cold cocks him and that, that's it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, he, he doesn't even fight it back. Yeah, so it's kind of funny how he gets wrapped up as this bully character, and it's like, not really. He was just this guy that Jason didn't like, and I think that's really more of what it was. It was the guy Jason didn't like as opposed mm -hmm. to the other way around. But anyway, I love William Zabka. I also wrote Same. down that he has a big, long makeout scene as Jack from European Vacation. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> It's like, oh, man. Anyway. Um, yeah, so I'm not going to go through everybody, but I got to mention fucking Ned Beatty's in this movie. Yep. You got to love Ned Beatty, right? Deliverance, Superman. I wrote down Rolling Vengeance. <laughs> <laughs> one one nice. of the many movies about, like, big rig trucks in the 80s, except this one was a horror movie. <laughs> mm -hmm. One of my favorites, Emmett Walsh. Uh, yes. Dude is in so many horror movies over the years. And one of the first Tales from the Crypt episodes, the one, um, I forget what it's called, but basically it's about the guy who didn't want to retire. And he finally retires and like he can't stand that his wife has all of these stray animals and stuff that she's feeding. So he starts to learn taxidermy. <laughs> yep. He starts killing all of her pets and taxiderming them. Um, until she finally has enough and kills him and turns him into a taxidermy project. Great episode. <laughs> I looked that one up uh, because it's actually one of my favorite all-time episodes. And it's mm -hmm. it's the role that I always think of 
when I think of Emmett Walsh. I mean, yeah, he's in The Jerk and Blade Runner and all kinds of critters. shit. But <laughs> that's right. <laughs> he's the cop in Critters. <laughs> oh, I forgot. Uh, but I actually always think of him from that Tales in the Crypt episode because he plays the perfect retired curmudgeon. You know? Yes. And uh, that episode's called Collection Completed. I did have to look up the title, but man, I That's fucking right. love that one. It's one of my favorites. And while we're on the topic, I noticed that we had a Murder, She Wrote connection in this cast, but there's also a Tales from the Crypt connection with several people being in episodes, mm-hmm. right? So we already mentioned that uh, Timothy Stack was in Tales from the Crypt, but so was obviously Emmett Walsh and Burt Young and Robert Picardo. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, according to IMDb, apparently Sam Kinison, but I can't remember what episode he was in. Oh, yeah. Um. Oh, my God. He was in the. Um, oh, shit. It's on the tip of my tongue. It, it's uh, basically there's this weaselly little dude. It's got uh, Peggy from Married with Children. Uh, Katie Seagal. Oh, okay. um, he's he's this concert promoter and he's stealing all this money for like a fundraiser concert that they're doing. And his conscience is played by Sam Kinison. Who's constantly oh. screaming at him, like, put the money back, put the money back. And, like, he takes these Q-tips and, like, jams them in his ears, like, eventually deafening himself. But he can always hear the voice still yelling in his head. And he ends up, you know, in the loony bin at the end of the episode. <laughs> oh, fuck yeah, dude. Fucking memory unlocked. As soon as you should mention the Q-tips, I'm like, yes, it's the Q-tip episode. <laughs> and I'm, I'm trying to remember who played the Weasley guy, but I, I'm, I know it's not. It can't be Robert Picardo. I just um, looked it up. No, no, it's Lee Ehrenberg who I think of as one of the comedic duo pirates from Pirates of the Caribbean. You know, he's like the short, bald guy with the uh, Van Dyke mustache or the goatee. Mm -hmm. And he's in, fuck, he's in Robocop 3, apparently. (laughs) He's in a bunch of stuff. But yeah, in Pirates of the Caribbean, in the trilogy, there's the duo of the guy that plays Dwight on the British office. Um, Oh, there he is. I see him. (laughs) You know, talking about Mackenzie (laughs) Crook. Yeah. Yes, he plays. He's also the uh, he's one of Kramer's friends on Seinfeld who doesn't like Jerry. And, oh, yeah, uh, that's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I forgot about that. Yes. OK, I knew he was a little Weasley, dude. I couldn't remember who it was, though. Yeah, that's the cool thing about Back to School is there's so many of these guys, not only in the movie, but sort of like related. Right. We mentioned Sam right. Kinison, who has this great cameo in two scenes as Professor Turgeson, who is completely fucking unhinged history teacher. <laughs> I fucking love him. I miss Sam Kinison so damn much. I know. Me too. Oh, man. I watched the oh. Wild Thing music video today where he did that fucking cover of the Wild Thing and like changed all the lyrics. Yep. It's, it's so good. Oh, man. You got to go oh. watch the music video. It's got all these fucking like 80s rock stars like Tommy Lee and um, <laughs> Billy Idol. <laughs> oh, it's such a he was such a fun comedian. Yeah, he was. He was for sure. He was uh he certainly like made his mark, you know. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so like I said, there was the merger she wrote connection. We don't got to go through all of that. We already mentioned Adrian Barbeau, Ned Beatty, uh, Paxton Whitehead, who I haven't really mentioned. But he plays Philip, and then Sally Kellerman, famously from Mash, but she's also mm-hmm. the, the English teacher who Thornton kind of has a crush on. So yeah, it's just this really really great '80s cast of like one or two stars, and then just a whole bunch of like. Really, really solid character actors who I think make the whole movie work really, really well. Because... I, I got I, I got a comment on one, one in particular, uh, Eddie McClurg, if I'm saying that right. <laughs> 
Yes. She is, she is the perpetual 80s secretary. She yep. is and like she's a secretary in everything. And she's Thornton's secretary in this. Yeah, yeah, from uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off and yep. <laughs> famously gets swore at many, many times in planes, trains, and automobiles. Yes! <laughs> That's the scene I was thinking of. Yeah, I fucking love her. I love her so much, yeah. There's all kinds oh. of weird dudes in this movie, like Severn Darden, who was that crazy professor from Real Genius, and mm-hmm. it's like, there's just so many weird guys. You go down through the cast, and it's like, oh yeah, it's that guy from that thing, and that's everybody in this movie. <laughs> and, and Kurt Vonnegut. <laughs> Yes, I had that on my list, too. Even fucking Kurt Vonnegut shows up, which mm-hmm. somehow, even as a kid, I recognized that as Kurt Vonnegut in the movie. And I don't know. I must have seen him on some talk show or something, because I remember as a kid just thinking, like, holy fuck, they got the real guy, you know? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and ironically, who I didn't recognize or realize was in the movie until literally today was, oh, that's like the real Danny Elfman, like the actual mm-hmm. Boingo Boingo is in this yep. movie. Like, oh, that's really cool. <laughs> Making all of his weird spoopy faces. <laughs> yes, exactly. So, yeah, it's just it's a great cast. And the reason I wanted to talk about the cast so much is just I love to just love on these VHS era stars. Mm-hmm. But also because when you think about the plot of the movie, it's kind of stupid. So you need a good cast. <laughs> there is. Oh, my God. That's one of my biggest gripes is there's no real plot. Like, Yeah. Like I, I started. No point. I, I started explaining it and then just kind of went off on this tangent about like these character actors. But yeah. So basically Thornton decides to go to the school, visit his son. He finds out Jason was lying to him about the diving team and the grades and the fraternity and all that. He gives him this motivational speech that his dad gave to him when he was a kid. And Jason's like, yeah, whatever, dad, you don't have to do it. And he's like, well, fine, I'll fucking do it, too. And then he decides to go back to school, except he's used to just being this rich guy handing out money. So he just buys everything and is just trying to totally get by as like this rich guy who can, you know, I'll, I'll buy my grades. I'll buy my way into my class. I'll buy the fucking building and I'll buy my way out of getting sued for sexual harassment when I walk in on people in the shower. Like, Jesus. Right. (laughs) And he went back and took a second look. God, I know. That's why I mentioned him being kind of like skeevy and sleazy, (laughs) even in this movie. But uh, I definitely think it's one of those holdovers from the 80s. I mean, we've talked about Revenge of the Nerds and Animal House and these movies where there was this. For some reason, there was this weird trend of like, let's go break in and spy on naked sorority girls. <laughs> yeah, it was almost like seen as like a rite of passage, but it's like, no, no, it's fucked up. <laughs> like, what the yeah, hell? Super fucked up. Uh, ironically, I also watched Point Break today for no reason other than <laughs> one of the greatest movies of all time. <laughs> I, I mean, other than it's Point Break. I mean, what more do you need? Utah, give me two, right? I mean, that's <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but it's but there's a scene in that movie where Keanu Reeves and Gary Busey they break into this house as FBI agents. They they raid this house, I should say, and there's just a gratuitous naked lady in the shower. But instead of just being this like you know screaming victim, she jumps out of the shower and kicks Keanu Reeves' ass. <laughs> yep, <laughs> she beats the shit out of him. It was fucking great. <laughs> Oh, man. Anyway. Anyway. So, yeah. So that's kind of the whole spiel of this movie is that 
you know, Thornton Mellon tries to buy his way through college so he can prove to his son you can do anything. It doesn't prove shit to Jason other than rich people can do anything they want. So, like, what's the point of even trying? He completely gives up on his dream. And then, you know, Thornton basically has to go through this character arc where he realizes that, hey, I really should try for once in my life and prove that I can do something on my own without the money, which I guess he kind of does. Except the only problem with him is that he's this complete Mary Sue character, right? Mm -hmm. Everything he tries to do, he's good at, even to the point where he's this champion high diver, despite being like an out of shape, overweight, (laughs) 60-plus year old. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, no, he is completely a Mary Sue character, and it it, kind of drove me nuts watching this critically. Yeah, it is, it's pretty ridiculous. And so I just think there could be something better that we could do with this movie. But I don't want to try to reinvent Back to School because I do think that the way that all of these amazing character actors chew the scenery, they really, really do some great work with this script. And I think that just watching this as a collection of scenes really works well. It's a really enjoyable movie. Like, I have a good time every time I watch it. Oh, yeah. And I don't think I ever watched it critically, like looking for the cracks in it until today. And you kind of realize, yeah, geez, this is kind of problematic, but mm-hmm. it's a great movie. And, and that's and that's the thing. Like, I, I do genuinely enjoy this movie. Like there is I, I did laugh. It's been years since I watched it. I laughed at a lot of the jokes. I love Rodney Dangerfield's delivery. I've always enjoyed his style of comedy. Um, you know, there, there's a way he delivers his jokes that always makes me chuckle. Um, Like one of my favorite things. Well, first of all, let's just start right in the beginning. One of my favorite things about this movie is the really bad Photoshop in the opening montage (laughs) where you just see like they just took Rodney Dangerfield's head and like stuck it on random black and white photo bodies. And it's like it's so bad. But it's like there's like the skin tones don't even match. Yeah, he always looks way too happy and his head's too big. Yeah. (laughs) So that was cracking me up. But one of the other things is when he's he's watching his own commercial and there's a line where he's talking about the tall and fat store. And he goes, uh, he goes, when you look at a menu, do you say, okay? I fucking lost it. (laughs) I was like, that is like one of the best fat jokes I've ever heard in my life. And I've heard a lot. I was like, holy hell, I love that joke. So a lot I mean, of really good lines in this movie. I'll give it that. I had to pause the movie because I was legitimately in tears. <laughs> like, <I was> like, <laughs> that, that was fucked up. But then another line that I've been quoting for years, and I always forget it comes from this movie, is where the fucking professor, as I'm forgetting the characters' names, but the dickhead professor asks the love interest professor, he goes, what did he want? She goes, oh, Philip, what do all men want? And he goes, he wants you to dress as Wonder Woman. Tie him up with a golden lariat and force him to tell the truth. I <laughs> fucking lost it. I was like, oh, this God. is the movie. <laughs> like, I, always I found it. <laughs> but, like, oh, man. Overall, like, what is the point of this this movie? Like, wh- uh, don't get me wrong. I, I enjoy it, but there's no message. Basically, Thornton goes to school to be closer with his kid. And then he decides while he's there hey, I'm going to do what my dad always wanted me to do. I'm going to go to college. Okay, cool. I'm following this this line of thinking. He uses his wealth to buy everything he needs while barely being around his kid, you know, the main reason he's there. 
Um, he's having parties and, and missing study dates that he's supposed to have with his kid because he's out drinking with his buddy. You know, like, he's not doing what he told you he's going to do at the start of the movie. So, all right, whatever. He never gets in trouble. Like, every time he fucks up, he's like, yeah, here, have some money. You know, and everyone's just like, okay, cool. Forgive him for whatever he just did. So basically it's teaching you, you can buy your way out of anything. Um, you know, he tries, he tries to get with one of the teachers, you know, and she's kind of into it. And then he goes and fucks around with a bunch of other girls at a party. And then he's all like, oh no, I fucked up. And then he wins her back. Cause of course he does. He gets the girl without any effort. And for, for that matter, Fucking Jason gets the girl without any effort. He has this crush that he's like creepily watching from across the room for how long. And she's dating Chaz or with Chaz or whatever. They're going out on dates at least. And then suddenly he's like, you know, I've always loved you. I'm sorry. I I, I have to tell you about it. And she's like, oh, I love you too. Why? Why? Why does he love her? Like they haven't spoken. What, what is the point of this? Thornton does the whole thing where he's bragging to the the swim teacher about being able, you know, he was the guy that did the triple Lindy, blah, 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 blah. And he's like, oh, can you still do it? He's like, oh, no, that almost killed me. Even, you know, even back then. Now, for whatever reason, Chaz gets mad at the final, you know, session. It's like, oh, I, I hurt myself. Oh, what's the point? What's like he's he's sabotaging his own team. He's mad at Jason. OK, but so what? He fucks over the team to just be like, eh, I got you. But then the teacher's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to sub in this old guy with n- literally no discussion to Thornton at all. It's just like, yeah, get your suit on. We need you. He comes in. It's just like, yeah, you're going to do that that dive that you said almost killed you. Yeah, you're going to do it. And he just does it. And, of course, he yeah. nails it perfectly. And it's Perfect. like, like what what is happening here? Yeah, you know, it's weird, too. I felt like the movie was going somewhere up until the end because hey. I think what they were trying to show was – Thornton Mellon, who became this really successful, rich businessman, you know, he, he pulled himself up by his bootstraps. He never got a college education, but he was still successful. And yet he decides to go back to college kind of on a whim. And then over time, kind of starts to take it seriously and enjoy it a little bit. And so I think that the arc they should have gone for, or they were kind of hinting at, was even if you are successful on the sweat of your own back, you should always still get an education, right? It's like, right. I don't I don't remember what the exact quote was that Thornton's character heard from his dad that he then repeated to Jason, but it's something like a man without an education is nothing. Right. And I think that was kind of what they were trying to get at was it's not that your education will make you successful. It's that your education is part of how you become an adult, a man, and you're not really – developed as a person unless you're properly educated because look at this rich guy and he's rich and successful but he's also crass and rude and gross and drunk and hangs out with thugs and he buys off you know the mafia teamsters or whatever (laughs) right and it's like i think they were trying to show that that like it's not about the success it's about becoming a better human like you're evolving as a person by becoming educated and that's a good message, except that when they finally get to the point where Thornton is taking school seriously, there's no reason for him to. There are no repercussions right. other than his own bruised ego, because right. Jason already doesn't care about school. At the beginning of the movie, he still doesn't care about school. At the end of the movie, 
There's no threat to Thornton at all in his personal life. He's not going to lose his business. He's not going to lose anything. The worst thing that he might lose is this new girlfriend-ish relationship that he has with this teacher, with Sally Kellerman's character. That's the only thing at stake for him is, hey, I slept with this woman once and I think I might want to do it again. So I'm going to take my education seriously finally and I'm going to win. But again, suddenly he just knows everything after like one cram session, suddenly he's this perfect high diver. You know, the real lesson of the movie is that he just made friends with everybody and glad handed everybody with, you know, hundred dollar bills. Mm-hmm. And that's how he became successful in life. So the, re- the lesson here is who cares about your education? Just buy everybody off and be charming and make friends. <laughs> in other words, if you're wealthy and charismatic, you can get away with anything. Yes, exactly. Which, I mean, in a way, is kind of the perfect message for an 80s yuppie movie. Right. You know, wealth and charisma gets you everything. But the other thing that that drives me nuts in this is the speech he gives at the end. Because the speech, he's just basically going on about, you know, stay in college, you know, get a good education. He's like, because it sucks out there. Life sucks. Move in with your parents. And then he gives a thumbs up to the camera. And it's like, ha, end the movie. Like, so the message is have money and make other people do things for you because life sucks. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know. And that would have been the perfect opportunity for him to give that same speech again, but this time mean it. The speech right. he copied from his dad, where this time, instead of it just being this empty platitude that he repeats to Jason to try to convince Jason to stay at the cool party school, instead, if he had meant it by the end, he had this character arc where he realizes, hey, you know, yes, I'm successful and yes, I'm charming and yes, I have all this money, but it doesn't mean anything because I wasn't educated. And now that I am educated, you know, I understand the world, I understand my business and my relationships and my family and everything's better. So stay in school, kids. That should have been the movie, you know? Right. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, it's, I mean, again, it's a fun movie. I'm not saying it's not fun, but my God, it, talk about a movie with absolutely no reason to exist. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's no story. There's none. No. It's, yeah, it's just a, it's just a vehicle for Rodney Dangerfield to, like, literally just, you know, walk all over the place, handing out money and cracking jokes and you know being like the life of the party so yeah i mean it's just i mean it's it's a fun flick it's it's funny because of rodney dangerfield and all of the amazing actors that you mentioned earlier but again like for for um for any story in my opinion for any story to be something that i can recommend it needs to have a plot and a message of some kind you know there has to be an arc (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> there was yeah. no no character arc, no story arc, no nothing here. Yeah, I agree completely. And I think that is definitely the, the problem. And Jason, Keith Gordon's character, I think is the worst example, or I guess the best example, depending on how you look at it, of why this movie doesn't work. Because he should have been the POV character for the audience. He's the character that gets the audience into the story. You can't really relate to rich successful thornton mellon but you can relate to his son who's kind of like living in the shadow of his parents you know i think a lot of people can 
use that as an entry point and he should have been the audience stand in and i think he is again except he doesn't go anywhere he's just another member of the shooting gallery in like rodney dangerfield's movie you know right he, he's just there to, to serve a purpose his he's like a MacGuffin that just gets Thornton Mellon to the college. And then once he's there, it's like, I guess he could have a girlfriend or something. I don't know. They don't really know what to do with him after that. You know? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's so, it's, it's just so kind of like half cocked. Yeah, it definitely is. So I think we could probably do something interesting though, with everything that we're talking about right now, we're spending this time kind of bitching about a fun, entertaining movie that kind of, is a failure as a story. Mm-hmm. But I think that we could try to apply the lessons that, you know, we're we're using to criticize the movie to say there's no story arc, there's no plot, you know, there's no growth, there's no entry point character that works for the audience. Let's take some of those criticisms and see what we can do to improv, improve <laughs> our own idea. <laughs> um, but I don't want to redo back to school. I don't want to no. have to say, okay, well, how would we have fixed the movie? Because I think if we did, we would lose a lot of these cool characters that I like in the movie because they would be pointless. Right. Absolutely. Like Robert Downey Jr.'s character, Derek, Jason's, you know, weird ducky like best friend is useless to the plot. He's just there to be a goofball (laughs) and he might've been in a couple of scenes, but he doesn't need to be in it as much as he is. So, you know, but we like seeing Robert Downey Jr. Be a weirdo, you know, I I have to admit the, the scene where he throws himself on his back and starts going, Oh, do me. Freaking Roddy Dangerfield goes, what are you doing? Get up. You look like the poster boy for birth control. Like that, fucking cracked me up every time i've seen it it's cracked me up you know it's just like what the fuck is he doing there was a bunch of movies in the 80s that had characters like this like i mentioned ducky right but mm-hmm. there's a couple of movies like this where it was kind of a trope to have like the weird art student best friend who was into like weird political causes or like the cause of the week you know yep. and they would have some crazy like Flock of Seagulls haircut, like they're wearing Adam Ant makeup. They always wear these weird tweed raincoats, you know? <laughs> yep. <laughs> Although I, I got to admit that the end scene where he's uh, heckling divers cracked me up. Yeah. He's like, you never see anyone heckle divers. Then he busts out the air horn like. Mark. And like the little mirror. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And like, and like, and I, I don't want to belabor the point either because I want to get into the improv. But you mentioned too how William Zabka's character, how Chaz, he kind of throws the match, which for me was the one scene in the entire movie that if I could just completely change it, I would change this. It's the one thing I really don't like because earlier in the movie, Chaz berates Jason for purposely throwing a match, and then he does the same thing, which would be an interesting character flip like motivation flip for him except there was no reason for him to do it we see him he basically just gets embarrassed because he got a bad score and then the very next time he goes up he like fakes an injury so he doesn't have to dive again but i literally stopped the movie and backed it up twice because Mm -hmm. i was like wait what did i miss did i i thought derek was fucking with him and that's why he got a bad score because throughout the previous scenes where we saw them diving, he was always good. So there was no reason for him to suddenly fuck up and get a bad score. And I couldn't understand why they did that. I mean, I know everybody has a bad day, but from a right. storytelling perspective, it serves no purpose in the movie and it was confusing. Mm-hmm. I feel like all it was was just like, oh, he got my girl. Marr, I'm mad. Like, I think that's that's all it was. 
Yeah, it's just it was it was dumb. They could have written that one a lot better. But anyway, I think Chaz kind of gets the short end of the stick in the movie, to be honest. Mm -hmm. I don't think he was that much of a jerk. He was just like a college frat guy with like a hot girlfriend who was kind of big man on campus, cock of the walk. And not everyone liked him. But like, so what? He wasn't a bad guy. He didn't do anything evil, you know, and he doesn't even really get an arc in the movie. He just kind of disappears after he's embarrassed, you know? (laughs) I mean, realistically, he's just the guy Jason didn't like. That's all it is. That's all. Yeah, it's 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 so many characters in the movie. They're just kind of like the person that Jason, whatever, like Valerie, the mm-hmm. the woman he falls in love with, played by Terry Farrell. We didn't mention her earlier. Also a good character actor, been around for a long time. I didn't recognize her in anything except Hellraiser 3. And even mm-hmm. then I had to look up. <laughs> <laughs> That's honestly the main place I know her from. But like, yeah, no, it, it, she she doesn't have any like she's literally just there to be one. Which is like, wow, that's a really shitty character role. Like, she she has nothing to really say. It's just, you know, Jace, Jason wants her. You know, she's the object of his affection. And not even a lot of affection. It's more like object of him leering at her and then being like, I love you. And she's like, me too. <laughs> like, it's like, what the fuck? Yeah, exactly. The women in this movie are not portrayed well. You no. Mentioned- Valerie is like just a prize to be won. She's completely two dimensional. And Adrian Barbeau, who only is in the movie at the beginning as the the cheating wife of Thornton, but that's it too. Like she's portrayed as this complete slutty shrew in the mm-hmm. few few scenes that she's in. And then Sally Carolman's character, who is supposed to be this very erudite and educated, like woman of the world, English professor, but then She's portrayed as obviously in a relationship with Philip, yet she cheats on him at the drop of a hat because Thornton, like, whines and dines her. And yeah. It's like, why would she do that? I don't – like, they didn't set that up as something that would be a part of her character. Like, yeah, maybe she – they have an open relationship or something, but no, they didn't set that up in the movie. So she just comes across as, like, this cheater, and then she chides Philip for being jealous. And it's like, well, he should be jealous. You, like, literally cheated on him with this guy he hates. Like, wouldn't <laughs> right. you be jealous? Yeah, exactly. As I like, I said, most of the characters in this they have no real character arc. They're completely two dimensional, and in some cases, they're not really that likable. Yeah, exactly. So we've gone on and on about back to school, and I think there's a lot here that we can build off of. So let's improv something. And not only do I want to try to keep these kind of storytelling techniques in mind so we can do a better job of telling a story that goes somewhere but Mm. also let's treat our female characters better like i would go so far as to say that maybe we need a female main character but i don't know what are you thinking so far that's you know it's funny you mentioned that because that's exactly what i wrote down uh for a pitch is a female main character female lead um so now I'm, i'm just gonna throw a bunch of info out there and and see if we're on the same page or if you think this has some legs so sure what I'm thinking is that the main character should actually be uh, Chaz, his little sister. We take this okay. several years later. So, like, have this, like, five years in the future, whatever, sequel. So Jason and Chaz have graduated from college. They're off in the real world. We'll get to Thornton in a minute. But, like, I was thinking that we could open the film with Chaz driving his younger sister to her freshman year at the college he graduated from. You know, and kind of and we can see, like, you know, maybe he's driving a little kind of beat down car. You know, he's not he doesn't have the greatest life after college. Like he's he's a working man. Real world's hard, you Mm -hmm. know, getting out there. 
helping his, his little sister. Maybe their parents have, are dead or something. Like we could we could give a backstory that like, you know, maybe he, he has to look out for for that reason. His, their parents passed away or something like that. Um, but I know you and I in, in conversation, we had talked about, you know, what would Thornton be doing still? And we're like, we both kind of agreed he would still be at school. Yeah, <laughs> he would. He'd be Van Wilder, basically. <laughs> Yeah, the only thing that I could see Thornton Millen doing after this movie is sticking around because he found the next fun party time thing to do in life. So why would he leave? Right. So he basically everyone loves him. Everyone knows him. We could have like, you know, he's continued to like his his company is thriving. Maybe Jason is is now like kind of overseeing things at the company you know, and the company's thriving and doing really well. So he keeps donating to the school and like, you know, so basically he's like he's known and loved by everybody, just like he was in the first movie, um, because like he's really built this school up, you know, like he's given them a huge reputation. He's added a bunch of like buildings and equipment and stuff like with his generous donations. So he's like one of mm-hmm. the most beloved, you know, uh, students at the school. And um, it's almost like a novelty, like, oh, you know, at at Grand Lakes University, where we have the Thornton Fraternity Row, we have the Thornton Science Building, you know, know, we have like all these different things donated by Thornton Mellon. Um, Yeah, there's like like the Thornton Mellon School of Business and the Jason Mellon Netatorium and Pool Complex or whatever. Yeah, Yeah, it's like (laughs) and yeah, I think it's just pretty cool where it's. The, the university itself has kind of become famous as being the home for the celebrity, like permanent senior, you know, mm-hmm. the, the Thornton Mellon who, yeah, he was a freshman in the first movie. Now it's been a few years and now he's sort of become this like super senior where, you know, he's on year five or six or whatever, depending on the time frame in between. And, right. you know, now, now it's like the early nineties and yeah. And he's become this, he's the big man on campus now, you know, maybe he yep. has his own fraternity either he you know joined one and took over or he probably just started his own you know <laughs> yeah, exactly that that's what i'm thinking like yeah he just he bought a building you know and 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 made it his own fraternity and everybody wants to be in thornton's fraternity type of thing but for for whatever reason i don't know why the name charlie stuck out for me for chaz's little sister i think it's just i like the idea of the alliteration chaz and charlie um yeah, that makes sense. Well, it's kind of funny you mentioned that because, you know, Chaz is often a nickname for Charles, yep. right? And so obviously so is Charlie. So my mother's name is Charlene. And when she was younger, people would sometimes refer to her as Charlie. And she has an older brother whose name is Charles, but everyone called him Chuck. But yeah, so it's kind of funny. <laughs> well, yeah, we like even have Charles that, and Charlene. Maybe, yeah, maybe Charlene is, is her real name and everyone just calls her Charlie type of thing. Um. But yeah, like I, I figure, you know, she would go there and she would be the exact opposite of Thornton, you know, very like not I don't want to say mousy, but kind of like, um, you know, more more private. She's she's not uh, she's not a, you know, a, a busybody like Thornton is. She's she's not out there wanting to to get in the mix of everything. She just she wants to go to school. You know, she wants to make friends and all that. But maybe she's she's a little bit shy. So yeah. I, want, I want to play that duality of like, you know. You have the one side being boisterous and super loud and bombastic and the other one that's just like, I'm here for my school, my education. You know, I'm a little bit nervous of all the craziness going on over there. But, you know, hey, I want to experience it a little bit type of thing. Yeah, I can kind of see her as being the the nerdy academic type. I think that would make a lot of sense. Like she's not going to come to school and be the sorority type. She's there to be serious about school, you know. Right. 
Jason and Derek both were taking astronomy and Derek took like dead languages, you know, Latin and <laughs> Sanskrit. And I think it was kind of obvious that Derek was really a, a good student and, and kind of a nerd and taking this stuff seriously, even though he was a goof in his personal life. I mm-hmm. they never they never really talked about whether he was failing, but I always got the impression that he was an academic at heart and Jason probably wasn't. So I think you're right. I think you're on the right path. I, I'm right there with you thinking that I, it'd be interesting if Jason ends up dropping out of school and then going to run his dad's business. And it turns out that that's ah. what he was really good at all along. And it would be funny if we kind of have this subplot where Jason doesn't even really need to be in the movie outside of maybe a cameo at the beginning where he's like on the phone, you know, trying to hurry his dad off the phone. Like, yeah, yeah, I got, you know, big deals underway, blah, blah, blah. You know, some uh, some fast talking like Gordon Gecko shit on the phone. And, uh, you know, maybe Bert is working for him now or sorry, Lou is working for him now. It's like his bodyguard, <laughs> you know, and uh, it'd be kind of funny if Thornton was kind of embarrassed that here he is, this big famous permanent college student and his own son dropped out of school uh right <laughs> yeah. well and, and you know one of the things i that i think would be really funny is if what if chaz worked for him so oh, like yeah like maybe he maybe he works at one of the stores so like you know we we could almost have like have it show like because jason was kind of a dick to chaz in in high in uh, college in the first movie um like yeah chaz was arrogant but Jason was like, I don't like this guy. So he was like so much so that even at the end, like, keep in mind, Chaz and Valerie were dating like they were going to the parties together and all that. And then suddenly, you know, Jason admits his undying love. She admits her undying love. And then he's in Chaz's face like she's with me now. And it's like he's kind of a dick. Like he just yeah. stole dude's girl and is a total dick about it. So I think it would be kind of funny to like see Chaz is out there in the real world He's actually having to work for a living, whereas Jason was kind of handed a company, you know, just like everything else. He was handed, you know, and they they talk about that in the in the first movie that he's basically given everything he wants. And he's like, I love my dad. I don't care type of thing. And it's like, yeah, I get what you're saying, but you're still, you know, you still got a silver spoon up your ass, you know, it's mm-hmm. like, and uh, and that's kind of the situation here is like maybe Jason, like he sees himself as this. You know, the the big businessman, it's like, fuck Chaz, he just works for me. So it's like we could have that little bit of duality uh, where, you know, even though he was perceived as the bully in the first movie and in, in real life, Jason is kind of the bully. Yeah, I, I love this. OK, so I got some light bulbs going off already. So what I'm picturing is this opening sequence where we have this beautiful aerial shot of the campus and we see Chaz and Charlie driving up to the school and then they stop and they have a little conversation where Charlie is like, Oh, I'm nervous, you know? And, and he's like, and Chaz is to be like, Oh, you don't have to be nervous. This is going to be great. You know, this is a great school, whatever. He's kind of talking up and she's like, Oh, I'm not nervous about like the schoolwork, but you know, I don't know anyone here and blah, blah, blah. So they're going to have a little conversation where we're going to, you know, learn that she's a little timid and a little bit afraid. So of course, later on, she's got to break out of her shell. We got to get there, you know, oh, of course, uh, of course. And, uh, and then, you know, he can say something like, you know, this is a great school. Trust me. And maybe she's she's like, yeah, but, you know, is it really a good school? You know, the Mr. Mellon is still her, whatever. I, I can't remember what the exact dialogue should be, but there should be some mention of Chaz saying like, oh, don't worry about that guy. You know, he he's you know, whatever. He's harmless. You know, he kind of he kind of blows off Mellon as like it, it's the silly um, mascot. You know, he's become this sort of silly mascot for the school. And then. 
just to kind of introduce it in dialogue. And then in this conversation, maybe Chaz looks at his watch and he's like, oh, I got to I got to get back to the store, you know, and uh, maybe he like puts his little tall and fat name tag on, you know, and like, yeah, like like, like he's the manager of like one of the retail stores or something like that. Uh, so, again, he's sort of this like he has this work a day job, but it's instead of being in like construction or something, it's like, you know, he's in like retail middle management, you know, right? Uh, <laughs> which is kind of kind of a dead end job for this guy who is this big man on campus uh, fraternity type. And then I want to learn Charlie's personality, learn that Chaz works for the tall and fat corporation and boring ass retail. And then we mentioned Thornton so that we can then do a cut to a uh, smash cut to a tall and fat TV commercial like we saw in the first movie where mm-hmm. now it's like this upgraded kind of higher end approach to the, it's not this comedic, you know, making jokes about, you know, the menu or whatever. <laughs> right. And it's, it's like, they're taking it a little bit more seriously, but then at the end you kind of see this like picture of Thornton, like giving a thumbs up to the camera and then, we pan to see Thornton actually watching the commercial and he's like, Oh, I love that one. I love that one. You know, to this group of like, you know, frat dudes and girls yes. are hanging, out, hanging out with him. And then he picks up the phone. He's like, Oh, I got to call Jason and tell him how much I love that new commercial. It's so good. And he picks up the phone. He calls Jason and Jason's like, Oh dad, I can't talk now. He's got like, you hear phones ringing in the background and Bert's holding people away from the office. Like he's busy, you know, he's flipping papers. He's this busy, busy businessman. And he says something like, Oh, like, you know, I got, I got this meeting. I got to get on a plane by six and then i gotta get back for the weekend because you know val and i are going skiing with the whatever you know and (laughs) and so he's sort of like going through this fast-paced spiel of how busy and successful his life is you know he's rich and he's married to val and going on ski trips and and he's sort of uh increased the class of the company as a whole and but at the the same time he's blowing off his dad the way he blew off his dad in the first movie and Mm -hmm. i think this is this would be a really good way to kind of introduce our our players Right. No, I agree. I actually like all of that. Um, I would like to add one thing just to kind of like show the the animosity between Jason and Chaz is like while this whole thing is going on, um, maybe we have we have Chaz like show up to the to the store that he that he's like the manager of. Right. Okay. And and have like one of the the employees be like, dude, you're late. You know, he's here type Mm. of thing. Be Like, oh, crap. And like he goes into his office and then like maybe Jason walks in or maybe Jason's okay. already in there sitting there on the phone. And mm-hmm. he's like, Dad, I got to go. And he gets off the phone. Then he gets up and he starts talking to Chaz and being like, your numbers are down, you know, blah, blah, blah. And kind of like gives him this whole dissertation about like your store isn't performing to the standards that we expect. Like, in other words, mm-hmm. get your shit together or you're fired. Um, So kind of like. Just to kind of to show that Jason is still kind of a dick to Chaz. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Okay, so let's do this. Let's hang on to that scene for a second. I love the scene. But so let's do this intro. But while Jason's on the phone, instead of saying, you know, whatever he's saying to kind of like rush his dad off the phone, maybe he says like, oh, I'm busy. And, you know, and and Valerie's got that art opening tomorrow or blah, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And he, maybe he like looks at his schedule. He's like, oh, hey, good news. Uh, or Lou hands him his calendar and he's like, oh, hey, good news. I'm going to be in your neighborhood tomorrow, you know, doing an inspection. So uh, maybe I'll see you this weekend and click, you know, right. and then then Thornton's like, oh, yeah, my big successful son. We go back to him. And then let's do the whole like 
the big uh, soaring like 90s, early 90s music. We do like the the title of the music. The movie comes up on screen and, and, and we see Thornton kind of doing this little montage around the campus as he's walking around in his like bathrobe and coffee, you know, just kind of like glad handing everybody. We kind of see what he's got going on now. He walks out of his fraternity and maybe there's like a sorority that's like right next door, you know, or whatever. Right. It's like this kind of like silly situation. And he, you know, he walks around campus and he's saying hi to everybody. And it's this real sort of like, you know, happy moment of like, oh, look how like, you know, cool and successful he is now. But now he's just at the school doing it instead. And, you know, maybe he he sees, you know, Sally Kellerman and gives her a little peck and he goes to get his coffee. Whatever. We just kind of do this cool little montage scene of like, oh, he's a big man on campus, you know. Um well, and, and real quick, just because, mm-hmm. you know, of the, the nature of the first movie, like when, when he passes by the sorority, we mm-hmm. should have like, uh, you know, sorority girls like they don't have to be like topless or anything, but just like maybe like waving their bra out the window at him like Thornton. He's like, oh, hey, girls, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> and, yeah, exactly. and, you know, does the like wipes his brow with a big old grin and keeps on walking and then like, you know, meets up with uh, Sally Kellerman, like you were saying. Um, but just, you know, to have those little those little things peppered throughout, like still showing mm-hmm. that everybody loves Thornton. Like, yeah, the entire oh. fucking campus. Yeah, exactly. And maybe there's a scene where he runs into Derek and he kind of he kind of gives him a little bit of shit. Like, oh, I like your hair better when it was blue, because now it's maybe he's like real slicked and like, you know, fancy Italian suit. The British <laughs> mod look. Yeah, just he's totally gone the other direction to being like super like put together and like well groomed. But like, you know, high end, like he's putting money into it. Maybe uh, Thornton says something to him like, you know, you know, oh, hey, Derek, I liked you better when you had the blue hair. And then Derek's like, hey, don't forget, we got the test in astrophysics today or whatever. We turn, we find out that Derek is working there now, like he's a teacher's assistant or a first year professor or something. Oh, OK. And, yeah. And then Thornton says something like, oh, hey, you know, like you, you got to give me an A for old time's sake. And he's like, no, nah, we're not doing that anymore or whatever. This this little exchange of dialogue where it's like Thornton's still going to kind of be like, hey, can I get that easy A? You're my boy. You're my buddy. You're my pal. And Derek's like, nope, not going to get me an easy A for me. You got to you know, learn in my class. We already learned that lesson. And I think that'd be kind of like a fun little character piece, too. And then that way we get to have Derek still in the movie. It's just this kind of, you know, side character that we can use to have some interesting conversations when we need to explain things, you know? Uh, no, absolutely. No, I like that. And plus any reason to put Robert Downey Jr. in something I'm all for. Oh. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and then we do the cut to you said. Now, now that we've introduced the school and maybe during all of this, we see Charlie get to her like boring ass beige dorm and like get set up and meets her like annoying roommate, you know, so. So she's Which, having the exact opposite experience that Thornton is having. I, I have an I have an idea for for her roommate. Like I, I immediately the, the, I have this in my notes uh, of of things to pitch. I don't know why the name Allison stuck in my brain for this character, but mm-hmm. she should be like the total party girl who yes. absolutely fucking loves the party Thornton throws. So like because because I want to have her try to convince Charlie like oh come on you got to come to these parties they're so much fun like blah 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 you'll love it blah you know. Like constantly like trying to get her to go to the parties while Charlie is trying to study. She's trying to do her homework. And mm-hmm. eventually I'm going to I have a scene in mind where eventually she gives in and, and goes yeah. to one of the parties. But it's, of course, not going to be what it seems. Yeah. Um, so Charlie's reminding me a lot of uh, Becca from Son-in-Law, Polly Shore's Son-in-Law. <laughs> yes. <you know? laughs> yes. Oh, my God. Uh, I haven't thought about Son-in-Law yeah. so long. So this would be great. So it, we kind of have this, you know, the sequence where we see Thornton's living his best life at college. Charlie is immediately off to a bad first impression, you know, off on a bad foot. And 
then maybe during this little exchange where she meets the annoying roommate, you know, Allison can say something like, oh, you're just in time. Thornton's having one of his big parties tonight. And then Charlie can be like, I don't know, like uh, I haven't heard great things about the melons or something. And then we mm. cut to that scene where you're talking about where like Chaz goes to the store and he walks in and his, you know, yes. assistant man- his assistant manager is like, what are you doing, man? Like you're late. He's already here, you know. Yes. No. Oh, my God. I love that. Okay. so what we can do is like we can show before we get to that scene. Right. We show uh, Thornton, you know, maybe like you already said, you have him leave his fraternity, all that the whole opening you were talking about. But let's push the the Thornton calling Jason until right before this scene. So like so have maybe he like he goes and maybe he's talking to the dean like he goes. and He's like, hey, Dean, you know, and he's chatting with him and the Dean has, you know, the TV on in his office. And he's like, Oh, Mr. Mellon. They like, they share a cup of coffee and are chatting and all that. And he's like, Hey, look, it's one of my son's new commercials. Oh yeah. And we pan up, we see the commercial, you know, they both love it. They think it's great. You know? And then he's like, Hey, do you mind if I use your phone? You know? And he's like, Oh, by all means, go ahead, sir. You know, cause again, the Dean's still kissing his ass cause he's throwing money at the college. Um, she so picks up the phone. He calls Jason. We see that whole scene where Jason is on, like he's in the office He's talking to his dad and being like, oh, yeah, you know, we got this plan and that plan and blah, blah, blah. So we we see that. Right. And then we have the scene with with. Uh, so we cut away from that. We have uh, Charlie and Allison talking. We get the whole you know, we meet Allison, have the she's she's the crazy, like early 90s party girl. You know, she wants Charlie to come to all the parties with her. And she mentioned specifically that Thornton is throwing like, uh, you know, a big uh, start of semester party tonight. Perfect. And she's like, oh, I don't know. I, I've heard bad things about the melons. And then cut to the scene where Chaz is, is showing up to the to the uh, the store and have like just said, like the assistant manager being like, dude, he's he's here already. What are you doing? And then have we see Chaz walk toward the door, cut to Jason, you know, still talking to his dad. We see the door open and then he just smirks. and He's like, Dad, I got to go. And he hangs. Oh, nice. Up, yeah. And then he lays into Chaz. So we get this whole like. Oh, look, Jason and Thornton, they're, they're so happy and everything's great. And then Charlie's, you know, apprehensive and nervous. And we see Chaz being all nervous. And then we see why. So it's like, fuck, <laughs> you know, out yeah. in the real world, these wealthy, charismatic motherfuckers usually mean bad news for somebody. <laughs> yes, I love that. I, I love that message, too. That And sort of seeing how Chaz, who was this rich, probably, you know, trust fund baby at college. But in the real world, he has to, like, get a real job. And then, you know, Jason just gets handed a real job mm. where he, ha- he has all this power. And, you know, he wasn't doing anything. You know, he was in school fucking around, you know, taking astronomy and stuff. Like, what does that have to do with what he's doing right now? So, yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah, I love this turnaround. So, of course, just a small detail correction in the conversation between Thornton and Jason, it has to be something like, you know, well, dad, like, don't you remember? Like, I'm already in town. I got meetings, but like, I'll be busy. I'll see you this weekend. Or, and then maybe, right. Thornton, maybe Thornton's trying to convince him like, Oh, come to the party tonight. It'll be perfect. It'll be like old times. And he's like, Oh, I don't know, dad, maybe. Oh, I got to go. You know? Yes. <laughs> and, yes. <laughs> oh yeah. I love it. Cause yeah. Cause then we also were juxtaposing the, the original uh, where, you know, Thornton was always, always trying to like get his son to, you know, to, to do stuff with him. And eventually he kind of gave in, you know, was like, okay, you know, yeah, be at school with me, blah, blah, blah. But we see that, you know, his, his son is still kind of pushing away from him as much as Thornton wants to be there for him. He's pushing away still. Yeah. Yeah. But now for different reasons, you know, now because Jason has the life 
that he kind of probably secretly wanted. And, you know, of course, you know, he's, he hasn't learned his lesson because, you know, he's just taking the handout that Mellon gave him, just like he hands out, you know, money and gifts to everybody else in the world, too. So, yeah, this, this is good. Um, OK, so from here, I don't have any particular scenes. I think we've kind of laid out the first, I don't know what. 15 minutes of the movie or something like that. Yeah. We've, kind of, we've laid out these first handful of scenes that I think introduce all the characters that we're going to care about that you know, we're going to focus on. And now we have to kind of put Charlie and Thornton through some contrasting situations where obviously, and I'm kind of talking in broad strokes here, right? Where obviously mm-hmm. maybe Thornton should, you know, finally learn some kind of a lesson, but he's going to be kind of the antagonist to our protagonist charlie who's gonna have to come out of her shell a little bit and find i'm assuming the end goal here is to for her to find some happy medium between hey you can you know be this academic that you want to be but like enjoy life a little bit you know loosen up (laughs) and and that's the thing i actually i actually have a a couple of scenes uh in mind the the one i'm thinking so like okay so we have this this party that's happening at like the start of the semester a big start of semester party so maybe like, you know, Charlie doesn't want to go, but like Allison is really on her ass. Like, you got to go. You got to come, blah, blah, blah. So maybe she goes and she just doesn't have a good time. Like she's she's out of her element. You know, she's kind of standing there like no one's being like outwardly nasty to her, but she's a wallflower. Sure. You yeah. know, she's kind of sitting there. She's very timid, like drinking. We see Thornton like, you know, running around. Maybe we could have another, you know, pick another band that was popular at the time (laughs) playing in his frat house. And hell, maybe we could even like up and be like, hey, Bruce Springsteen's here. You know, something like that. (laughs) Have like some big name playing in a frat house, Um, you know, and have like everybody is so impressed with, with Thornton. And Charlie just feels like a fish out of water. So she eventually leaves and she goes back to her dorm and is like, you know, back in the books and like have Allison like pop in, like, where were you? Like you missed all the fun, blah, blah, blah. Like just kind of showing that she doesn't feel like she fits in here. Now we're going to have, we have to show like, obviously there's going to be some kind of uh, love interest character, right? But it's not going to go the way you think. So let's have, have some, I don't know, some frat guy. Maybe he's just like, he's like the, the beefy jock with the heart of gold type of thing. Um, so we have, I, I don't know, we call like Jake. We'll just call him Jake. Yeah, so, Jake works. Somebody we, that's like similar to her older brother, similar to Chaz, right? He's yeah. Kind of, maybe he's on the football team or on the swim team, kind of athletic. And but it's, maybe he's the kind of guy that she thinks that she should be with, you know, and he's cute, you know? Yeah, it's it's definitely, it, it's kind of the the quote unquote ideal dream guy. You know, sure. he's he's like, you know, he's good looking. He's on, like, yeah, he's on the football team. Uh, you know, he's, he, everybody loves him. Like everyone likes this guy. And, you know, she's like, oh, he'd never give me the time of day, but I want mm-hmm. at some point to have him give her the time of day. Like maybe he comes up to her and starts talking to her and, and you know, starts kind of trying to schmooze her up a little bit. Maybe it's something as simple as like, Hey, you know, I, I, uh, you know, see you in the library all the time. Like you, you seem to really know your stuff. I, I have the hardest time with professor so-and-so's class, like something like that and mm-hmm. have him just kind of like set up a study day, you know, and then one thing leads to another and he gives her a little peck on the cheek type of thing. And it, it's looking like there's this, this love blossoming. And we find out like he's in Thornton's frat, you know, like maybe we see like Thornton talking to him later. He's like, Hey, I haven't seen you around lately. And he's like, Oh, you know, I'm, I'm talking to somebody. He's like, hey, good man. You know, that type of thing is slapping <laughs> him on the back. And you know, every it's everything seems on the up and up. Right. 
And then we have like, you know, a scene where we see the two of them kind of hanging out and him explaining to her like, hey, there's this party coming up. You know, maybe it's like the next month or something like, you know, hey, we're, we're having this party at my fraternity. It's kind of it's kind of a little lower key, though. It's not as big as as the other parties like. So it's it's invite only and um, have him like invite her to be his date to the party. So she's like all excited. Maybe Allison's pissed off because she's like, mm-hmm. well, how come you got invited and I didn't like I've been going to Thornton's parties forever and blah, blah, blah. Like have it be this whole thing where it's like, you know, Charlie's like, wow, you know, I'm, I'm I am finding my way here. I'm feeling really good and have her get there. And there's just a couple of other girls that aren't that attractive and have her find out mm-hmm. it's a, a, it's a pig party. Oh, no. You know, and that this oh, guy was a total prick and just fucking wrecks her. Right. Like it's emotional, like emotional damage all the way around, you know, and, and th- maybe Thornton doesn't realize what's going on. He's just like, hey, it's a party. Everybody drink up type of thing. You know, mm-hmm. he's he's having a blast with the girls in the other room, like just chatting, chatting with people. She gets her heart broken. She calls her brother. You know, he's fucking pissed he's like those damn melons you know like type yes of yeah because he's, he's gonna he's gonna blame it on thornton for like creating this scenario like you know he doesn't know much about this jake you know jerk jake the jerk <laughs> exactly jake the jerk <laughs> maybe i'm on the wrong track here but what if at some point we we see when charlie goes to one of these parties with allison maybe there's this like bulletin board and it's like flyers for parties and room for rent and my band is playing and blah 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 but there maybe there's these like polaroids of these girls who you know have like little mustaches and shit drawn on them or pig noses drawn on them you know yes. and, and and charlie asks like what are these and allison's like oh that the boys are so silly those are like you know the, the they call them the piggy girls you know they're they're the stuck-up nerds that don't want to come to our parties and you know just because you know they're not cute enough to like get with the boys or whatever just it's this sort of like airheaded line that she's gonna throw off it's gonna seem like oh frat boy shenanigans you know mm-hmm. locker room talk and then, yeah, a little bit later on, we're going to see that that's exactly what it is. Jake seems like this charming guy. Allison's dating one of the other, like, football guys. And then it's like, oh, hey, we're having, like, a – maybe it's like a – he tricks her into saying it's like, oh, we're having, like, a Greek council dinner or something. Oh, it's going to be mm. at Thornton, Thornton's house. She's Maybe she's a little bit nervous, but, you know, they're hanging out. They have dinner. Maybe it's like a little slow dance. And then maybe it's like suddenly there's a spotlight on her face. People start laughing and then like now they're taking pictures of her and they get these really like terrible, unflattering photos of her like squinting and, you know, into this Mm -hmm. bright light. And then they get these Polaroids and they're laughing. Ha 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 ha. And you see him like draw a pick nose on and like pin it to the board. Ah, some bullshit like, oh, you know, like uh, you got to like earn your spot around here, honey, or some bullshit. And of course, you know, Charlie's going to run off like screaming and crying. Of course. Yeah. And then. So, yeah, like I, I want I wanted to to, to kind of culminate with, you know, her calling Chaz like in tears, obviously upset and have the two of them plan to get back at, you know, the fraternity. Now we're going to we're going to turn the comedy up a little bit. We can turn this film more or less into uh, kind of something along the lines of the movie Dirty Work with Norm Macdonald. Like, <laughs> nice. Yeah. So it's like have them be like, all right, we're going to fuck up this frat. And have them like constantly pulling pranks on various members of the fraternity, including Thornton. Maybe he, you know, like have something like his, you know, he goes to get in his, his hot tub and it's filled with jello. And he's like, hey, what the hell? Who did this? You know, type of thing. Like just 
weird little pranks and just have them keep fucking with him, eventually culminating with the fact that we, you know, Thornton and Jason maybe are forced to realize that, like, you know, money and and charisma, they won't get you everything. They won't win you the respect of everybody. And you actually have to treat people, you know, like people instead of things that can be bought. Yeah, yeah, that's perfect. I, I like this. Yeah, okay. So here's, I think it would be fun if when Charlie calls Chaz, we see that he's wearing like a, like a visor and like a headset microphone or something. And he's talking to her on the phone. They're talking and she's crying and he's trying to make her feel better. And then he's, and then somebody says something. He's like, Oh, I'm so sorry, honey. Like I gotta go, but I'm going to come. I'm going to come. I'll be there tomorrow. I swear. And you pan out and he's working at like Burger King or someplace. Cause he gets like fired by Jason. Right. And now yeah. he's got this stupid, like fast food uniform on. And then, so, yeah, ha- have him come out to the college the next day and, you know, she tells him the sob story and he's like, look, we're not going to take this lying down. You know, <laughs> these guys mm-hmm. were bullies when I went to school here and they're still bullies now. You know, that'd be kind of funny for him to say. <laughs> yep. Well, yeah, because I mean, because everyone perceived Chaz to be the bully. But when was he the bully? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I think it'd be fun if. They kind of like launch this plan. Charlie gives them a little like smirk through the tears of like, yeah, let's let's do this, you know. And then to, to your point, they kind of launch into this, you know, this uh, sort of prank uh, battle or, you know, sort of a one sided you know battle. <laughs> um, but we can do another like another kind of a little montage or at least put some music over seeing them kind of sneak around and set up, you know, pranks. And and w- w- what I want to see is we'll see that uh, Chaz gets a job at the school in like the groundskeeping right so yes. he's he's wearing a little hat and has a little maybe he's picking up trash in a bag or something that way whenever we see him he's kind of like always sneaking around hiding behind bushes in his like uniform but that's his excuse to be there you know i love the fact that you said that because in my notes i have right here chaz will eventually get a job at the university so he can fuck with thornton <laughs> that's perfect yeah that's awesome <laughs> and because he's like a groundskeeper or whatever, like he'd have keys to places that other people can't go. Right. So yeah. maybe, maybe we see him like opening up like the back gate of the frat house. Like they have a backyard that's like walled in, but he opens up the gate because he's got the keys and, you know, he sneaks Charlie in there and she's got a box of, I don't know, you know, rats or something, whatever the prank is. Right. So they're going to go, you know, they'll, they'll prank the frat in the same way that a lot of eighties movies were pranking sororities by, yes. you know, s- setting up secret cameras and, and letting you know rats and fleas and stuff go inside the building and like you know breaking the air conditioner or whatever or the the furnace you know whatever it is it starts off kind of innocent and then you know we can escalate a little bit well, I, I think like okay so one of the pranks should definitely be like they they sneak into the fraternity while everybody's sleeping and like put just like one of those like party sheep blow up dolls in Jake's <laughs> bed and nice. take a bunch of Polaroids of him. Oh, fuck yeah, dude. They, they take down all the piggy pictures off the bulletin board, and it's just yes. nothing but pictures of Jake, like, uh, you know, screwing this blow-up sheep. <laughs> or, or, like, you know, even, maybe not even screw, just like he's, like, got his arm around it, like he's passed out, you know, like he he just finished. So they just kind of slipped it into the bed. Or we, we could do something like... um. You know, maybe Jake just maybe he's he's got a little dick or something. And they get a photo of him in the shower and post it, you know, just something to really fuck with this guy's day. And then we could do stuff like have them, uh, you know, have them break into, you know, one of the professor's offices and like have them rewrite Thornton's homework or something and turn it in. It's like just this ridiculous 
you know, uh, ridiculous report. And he's like, what the hell? I didn't do this. You know, just have have different things like that where they just keep fucking with them one like one after the next. Yeah, I, I think it'd be a cool thing, a cool visual. Since this whole Polaroid picky party thing came up, what if we see there at this first, whatever the first prank is, we see that all the piggy photos are gone off the bulletin board, and there's a picture up of like, oh look, you know, we let rats go in your building. It's a picture of like rats running everywhere, and then we see the picture of like you know Jake and the sheep, and we see a picture of you know some masked man swapping out the term paper, and it's like they're leaving like, haha, we got you, we got you, and we can slowly see their bulletin board get more and more of these Polaroids, and then Thorne's yes. gonna, Thorne's gonna, he thinks it's hilarious because he's just like, oh, just kids being kids, and he's kind of, he's not really doing anything about it, and then maybe eventually somebody takes an incriminating photo of him like maybe he they send like a photo of him and a bunch of girls in the hot tub to like you know sally kellerman right to to his his girlfriend that he supposedly had like you know turned a new leaf and now he's you know they get him drunk at a party and they get a maybe charlie gets you know some of these uh the girls that were in the piggy photos hey put on these bikinis and go take a go take a photo with you know thornton and we'll like pull his pants down take a picture of it put on the bulletin board and now thornton's like this means war you know (laughs) (laughs) exactly Um, and they can do the same thing. Maybe Chaz gets Jason in some incriminating photo, right? Like you said, uh, uh, you know, maybe Jason does come to visit the campus and, you know, they get him doing something stupid. Or it could be something as simple as like, you know, they catch him at the urinal or pull his pants down, take a picture of him. And then now Jason's in on it. Like, you know, OK, you know, Lou, hold all my calls. Like, this is my business now, you know. And <laughs> Right. So now we kind of have like Thornton and Jason after they've been pranked a bunch of times, now they're like, okay, we got to get him back. We got to find out who's doing this so we can have like a conflict. Maybe we, we should, we, the whole thing should culminate with like, there, there's a huge uh, party going to be thrown on campus and it's not by Thornton. Cause remember there was that thing uh, that was in the first movie where Chaz was like, what's going on? This is normally the biggest party of the year. And they're like, yeah, but there's something going on at, you know, over at the dorms. And basically like, he stole their thunder um, in the first movie and like through this mm-hmm. huge party. So maybe like Chaz and Charlie, they, they pull whatever strings they can. They get everyone in it and they have this, they, they plan on throwing a huge party to rival like, you know, maybe Thornton's, I don't know, Christmas break party or whatever it's going to be. And like, he's pissed. Cause he's like, what the hell? Like, you know, first they're going to fuck with me. Now they're going to fuck with my party. Like th- this ain't cool. A- and have them basically one up him on, on his own turf. Oh, fuck yeah. So since Chaz works there and has like keys to shit, what if he goes to the leaders of the frat that he used to belong to and was just like, hey, you know, we're frat brothers forever, right? You got to, I'll do you a solid, you do me a solid kind of thing. And so he basically tells them, like, I'm going to get you the venue for the biggest party that this campus has ever seen. You got to bring the girls and the beer. I'm going to get you in. And it turns out that what it is, is it's like, Picture that party from Real Genius that they had at that indoor swimming pool. Yeah. And it's so it's like because they're it's, they have these swim meets, so there's an indoor pool somewhere, right? So they have this. He's gonna get them into this building. They're not supposed to be in to throw. What is it like the Hawaiian December like holiday throwdown or whatever? Oh yeah, like, yeah. yeah. The big pool party, and that's going to be this huge party. So, yeah, Thornton and his boys, they're throwing their, like, Christmas party. Like, maybe Thornton comes in, ho, 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 dressed up as Santa Claus, and he's like, you know, where is everybody? You know. Absolutely. Yeah. 
and and, and of course, you know, we're we're gonna have the uh, we're we're gonna have they they have to you know make up at the end and realize the error of their ways, you know, because it is a comedy. Um, but yeah, no, I, I like this to ha- have uh, the 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 party that rivals Thornton's, but using favors and whatnot instead of money to grease the wheel. So Chaz is showing like, hey, I know all these people. I've made connections with all these people. I'm gonna call in favors from my friends instead of buying everybody. So I kind of yeah. like that that message in particular. So they're throwing a party kind of the old fashioned way. Like we're going to hand out flyers and word of mouth and we're going to have this cool venue and it's just going to be, you know, girls and beer. That's all we need. You know, like what else, what else do you need for a big party? You don't need like maybe over at Thornton's frat, maybe there's a Christmas tree that's like 20 feet tall in like the big central hall of, yeah, the foyer of their frat hall. And there's just piles and piles of presents and there's all kinds of expensive decorations. And maybe he's got like a whole crew of like, like a serving crew serving food and they're all dressed up as elves and he's got like this big you know santa sleigh inside like he just went all out and he comes out dressed up as santa claus and it's just like a couple of people standing around so like it was like he was threw all this money at this party but everybody just wanted to go to the fucking pool bowl. and of course when he comes out he has to be like all right who wants to sit on santa's lap you know <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, gotta have that perfect. kind of a joke <laughs> yeah that's exactly perfect yeah i love it okay so this is good so now we're going to have our big showdown, I think, right? So I think Thornton and Jason should, like, storm off to go find their stolen party. And they get into this big, like, pool area, and everybody's having a great time. And they even see that, like, Allison's there. <laughs> you know, some of the guys that normally would, we would have seen in earlier scenes, mm-hmm. the background characters that would have been at their parties. And, you know, even Charlie's there, like having a good time and and they kind of storm in and like, hey, like, what's the meaning of this? You guys aren't supposed to be in here. And I think it'd be kind of funny if Thornton, you know, the guy who doesn't live by anybody's rules is suddenly like, oh, what are you guys doing in here? (laughs) And um, so it's like, you know, and we're going to kind of see him like, oh, you got to shut this down. Like, this is ridiculous. You're going to. And because he's a swimmer, maybe he's like, oh, look at all this. You got all this beer in the pool. You're going to ruin everything. And now he's kind of become like this spoil sport. Sorry. A little bit, little bit of a killjoy. Yeah, exactly. And of course, Jason's going to come in and be like, "Oh, like we." And maybe it's Jason's building, like it's the Jason or the yeah, the Jason <laughs> Mellon Natatorium. It's like has his name on the building, you know. <laughs> so that'd be really funny. And of course, that's you know, perfect. We see Jason come in right next to Thornton, and he's like, "Oh, this is ridiculous. Like I paid for this whole building, and this is what you guys do. You treat it like this, and you know, and and, and they're just kind of." Living in their anger and, you know, obviously under different circumstances, they wouldn't care, but they're, you know, they're pissed off because of all these pranks or whatever. And maybe they see, I don't want them to see Chaz just yet. Not exactly yet, but they got to, they got to have somebody who they're going to kind of pin it on. Like, oh, did you do this? You've been playing all these pranks, you know, um, I'm not sure if they would necessarily know that it was Charlie, but so basically what I'm trying to, what I want to, what I want to do is kind of have this reveal where, you know, or maybe it's just something as simple as like, who's responsible for this? And then you see Chaz just turn around and he's got like his straw hat on and his like Mai Tai with a little umbrella in it and his Hawaiian shirt on. And he's just like, hey, Melons, welcome. Man. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> and that, oh, yeah, because because we could have Jason uh, like maybe there there's something I, I, I can't think of a good nickname, but. Maybe there's some kind of demeaning name he refers to Chaz as in the beginning of the movie. I don't know why the the phrase shit heel keeps coming to mind. <laughs> Probably yeah. be, because there's there's movies where people get called shit heel, but 
It's like it could be something like that, like, you know, like uh, I don't know what he would call him. I like that. No, that's kind of funny. Yeah, earlier on when Chaz goes in to get in trouble, maybe Jason's like, "Oh, if it isn't the shithill himself," and it's this kind of offhand comment. But then later on when you see Chaz again, he's just like, "Shitheel," you know, yeah. and he's, well, he says I, it I, kind of like Newman. Yeah, I, I actually pictured it more more like him being like, "Shitheel," like you <laughs> threw this, like kind of almost like, "But you're a nobody. How did you do this?" Like that type of. Oh, yeah. No, that's that's good. Yeah, he can say exactly that. Like, you know, shit, he like you don't even go to the school. Like, what are you doing here? And then maybe you see Chaz hug Charlie. It's like, I don't actually I work here, but, you know, my sister goes here and she's having a great time. I'm throwing her a party. And, you know, and this is when he can get a little serious. Like, you know, she went to one of your parties and you guys put her up on your piggy wall like she was some kind of animal, you know, and now they're going to have this like serious conversation, this argument. And I, I don't necessarily know what all the dialogue is going to be, but obviously Thornton and I feel like Thornton is going to be defending his frat like, oh, hey, we're just trying to have a good time. You know, I'm not always responsible for everything that happens, you know, kind of hinting that like his parties get a little rapey, but like it's not his fault, you know. Right. And, right. And then and then Jason could be like, um uh, you know, well, we put a lot of money into this school, you know, and my dad is like a pillar of this, you know, university community or whatever. And, you know, a lot of people pay attention to the school. The, the enrollment is all is up because of him. And you guys should show him some respect, you know, and he's kind of done this whole 180 because now the money's gone to his head. And I like that uh, you chose to, to say he he should get some respect. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that was on purpose or not, but that was good. Totally unplanned, but that's perfect. (laughs) (laughs) No respect. Uh, No respect, you know. Uh, (laughs) That's great. And, and of course, you know, this is where Chaz is going to reveal, no, this school is a laughing stock because of you two. This used to be a respected university, you know, and and our fraternity. We were the national champions on the swim team and, you know, famous divers, whatever, you know. Chaz's argument is kind of that this university used to be this really great place to go because of the college life. And now people just come here because they want to party with rich people. Yeah. And and like maybe maybe we could he could even make some kind of comment about like, you know, I didn't buy my way in. He's like, you know, like. I worked hard. I got a swim scholarship come to come here. You know, like maybe maybe we can learn a little bit about Chaz's backstory. Like, you know, yeah, you know, I I wasn't poor growing up, but I also wasn't rich like you, you know, and he kind of maybe goes on to this whole thing of like he had opportunities, but not as many as, as Jason did. And he didn't squander the opportunities he had. He worked hard for what he got, you know, and, and he continued to work hard even when life handed him a curveball, like when his parents passed away and, you know, he mm-hmm. was in charge of taking care of his younger sister and. He had to grow up fast after college and like maybe he kind of lays all that out and we find out that Chaz is kind of the working man that Thornton's dad used to be. And, you know, maybe Thornton can realize like, you know, like, Jason, we've lost our way, you know, kind of like something like that, where it's like everybody needs to learn a lesson at the end of the movie. You know? Yeah. No, I like I like this. uh, This speech, you know, uh, let's not rush to the end of it. Cause I think this is good stuff. I, I think you're exactly right. Chaz kind of lays it out, maybe gets a little emotional, but angers are still flaring. So maybe he says something like this used to be this great school. And I wanted to show my sister what it was like, you know, to, you, to work hard. I didn't buy all of my success. I came to school on my, on my scholarship that I got. Cause I, you know, I busted my ass 
on the swim team in high school and I came here and I worked hard to get to the top of the heap. And then Jason says something. Oh, yeah. And look where that got you. Like, you know, work in retail for me. You know, he can maybe chat says it's honest work. And I had to pay the bills to take care of my sister after our you know parents died. And I was doing really well. I worked my way up, you know, to regional manager or whatever until you fired me over over, you know, taking the morning off so I could bring my sister to college. And then, you know, Jason's like, oh, you weren't taking the job seriously. So you've always had it out for me, Jason. You've always, you know, had it, you know, had some grudge against me. But what did I ever do to you? You know, and they kind of yeah. they kind of have their old bitter rivalry. Kind of they kind of have it out in this little argument. And, you know, I, I think it should just kind of end with either. I don't know. Do you think it should end with the two of them just kind of nose to nose, their argument flaring and then Thornton kind of breaks it up like, whoa, 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 whoa. Or, you know, do we have Jason try and throw a punch like he did in the first movie? But this time, you know, Chaz isn't going to get sucker punched and, you know, he's going to, you know, be able to, like, fight back. And I'm not sure what's what's the right message. Do we go to the violence? I, you know what I think? I, I think we can we can meet in the middle. So ha- have, you know, have this thing where it's like, you know, the back and forth, just like you said, Thornton's hearing all this for the first time and realizing because he's thinking his son is you know, running this company. Great. He's treating his employees the way he treated his employees where he was, you know, like, Hey, everybody gets a bonus, you know, that type of thing, the way Thornton was doing. But meanwhile, Jason has become kind of a, a of a shrewd businessman where it's like, you know, yeah, the company is thriving, but he's not that great to people. You know, maybe he's a little bit of a dick and have Jason go like, go to take a swing at Chaz. And maybe Chaz does something like just palms his fist. Like he grabs it and he's like, not this time, Melon, I'm not fighting you. And he puts his hand like, you know, pushes his hand down. And maybe this is where Thornton grabs Jason. He's like, Jason, we got to talk, son, you know, and then have this whole like this heart to heart moment where he realizes like you've lost your way and I helped you get there. Like I I was having too much fun type of thing. Yeah, sorry. I don't want to interrupt you, but I I think this is perfect. But I want to insert Lou, if I could, into this scene. Mm, mm Because I feel like I feel like Lou should be there. Right. Like with Jason, he followed him to the school, just like he did to Thornton in the first one. So during the scene, like Lou's there, he's just kind of like looming as the heavy while they're having it out yelling. And maybe Jason takes a swing at Chaz and Chaz just kind of dodges it. Like, I'm not going to do it. You're not going to bait me and do it. You know, Jason, like, you know, I'm the better man, whatever. And then. You know, Jason keeps yelling and then maybe he goes to take another swing and it's Lou who catches his hand. Yes. And he's like, you know, listen to the man, Jason. I didn't want to say anything out of respect for your father. I've known him 30 years, but, you know, you've become kind of an asshole. (laughs) Yeah, yes. (laughs) Exactly. You know, maybe maybe he does the whole thing like like he he does the whole uh, the tough and sweet thing again. He's like, remember what I told you before? He goes. You know, I'm sweet, but I'm also tough. Don't make me get tough, Jason. <laughs> Something like exactly. that. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, well, maybe Jason yells at him for, you know, like getting in the middle of it. And then he says that. And then, <laughs> yeah. you know, and then Thornton kind of walks over. He's like, Jason, Jason, come with me. We got to have a talk. Yeah, exactly. Right. And they, yeah. they kind of they kind of walk over to the side and they have they have their little chat and we can kind of focus on them for a minute. And, you know, Thornton has, you know, he's seen the light, you know, oh, I can't believe, you know, I was just trying to enjoy my retirement or whatever and let you have the company. But, you know, it's all gone to your head jason um I, i'm kind of picturing like one of the sort of denouement scenes we're going to get to like let's find out where our characters end up but i'm kind of stuck now on how we wrap this up and what kind of redemption does charlie get out of it because i feel like so far we were focusing on her yet the character struggles have been between like Chaz and jason and thornton so how does charlie's arc come to a head in this scene i'm, I'm, I'm not sure i see it 
Yeah, no, that that is that is difficult because she was set up as the as the main character at the start, and we kind of went off uh, with Chaz more or less. So I, I think with with Charlie, maybe it needs to be just like we kind of remove these barriers, like we remove you know the the melons from the situation, you know, we we remove all that and let her actually do the the college education that she wanted at the start, which was just. I don't, I'm not here to party. I'm not here to be popular. I'm here to get an education. I'm here for the college experience and maybe have, have that. Like when we, when we do our whole thing where we show where all the characters are, you know, maybe we could show like she's happily enjoying college. Like she's made friends. We see like her walking to class people like, Hey, Charlie, how's it going? You know, that kind of thing. Like we see that, that she's maybe throughout like the, the pranks, like with her hiring people to like fuck with other people or to fuck with the melons, you know, um, it also sounds weird keep why I keep saying fuck with the melons, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, we keep, uh, you know, we, we keep that up. So, like, we see her meeting people throughout the movie. And then, like, at the end, you know, she's she's kind of she's kind of known like, you know, yeah, she's still the the quiet girl. She's still doing her thing, but everybody likes her, you know, like maybe she's yeah. kind of had that arc of like transitioning from the mousy little wallflower to, you know, not really the popular kid, but. The kid everyone knows because every every school has that that guy or girl where it's like they don't really fit into any one crowd, but everyone just kind of likes them. Yeah, you know? yeah, for sure. So I know I think this is really good. And I think we could probably get away with having her arc be a little bit less dramatic. I think it could be something as simple as back up a little bit. I like where you're going with the end, but back this back up to this big argument at the pool party where mm. we have, you know, Lou catch the fist and Jason and Chaz are still kind of arguing with each other. Lou kind of calms things down. But maybe, you know, maybe Chaz says something kind of biting, you know. I don't know what it is exactly. Maybe he says something now like, you know, who's the shit heel now, Melon, or something. You know, he, mm-hmm. he, he kind of takes the low road in saying something shitty to Jason while his, you know, his temper is flaring. And let's have Charlie let's have her lose her temper. Maybe she starts screaming like, Oh, shut up. All of you, you know, I just wanted to go to school. I just wanted to have, you know, the college experience. Like everybody always talks about, I don't care about parties and I don't care about boys and I don't care about frats and sororities and all this bullshit. I just wanted to go to school, you know, and to become whatever, we never really talked about like what our major was, you know, right. um, you know, like I just wanted to go to school to become a you know scientist or whatever. And I, and I got caught up in all of this nonsense with playing pranks and getting revenge. It was never about revenge, you know, and, I, and whatever. And she just kind of have her scream at them like, oh, you kind of got me all caught up in your family nonsense from years ago. And I completely lost my way and just kind of have her, you know, storm off. And right. that's when that's when Thornton's like, all right, Jason, we got to have a talk over here, you know, and now things are kind of calmed down. Um, and, and maybe – Maybe Ch- I think Chaz needs to go and have a little chat with Charlie like, oh, you're you know, you're totally right. I, I you know, I, you had one bad experience and I, you know, sucked you into this revenge plan because, you know, I got fired and I was down, yeah. you know, down on myself. And I thought it would be, you know, I thought I could get back at the melons for, you know, fucking up my life. And all I did was, you know, fuck up your life and did the same thing that they were trying to do. So, you know, like, let me make it up to you or whatever, you know, kind of kind of a realize that Chaz it probably took things a little bit too far as well yeah no no I like that because we, we we could have the whole thing of like once again it turns into the pissing match between the popular guys 
you know, and meanwhile, yep. this, this wallflower is just like, fucking stop. Maybe she can even say, you're not the main characters. You know, <laughs> yes, maybe she could even bring, you know, bring that up of like, you know, you, you always steal the spotlight. Like maybe she says to Chaz, like, you've been doing it my whole life. You know, you always steal the spotlight, you know, and it's like, you know, I've always rooted for you and you've always had my back, but you always steal the spotlight and make it about you. And then maybe she points at Thornton and she's like, and why does everything have to be about you? If the, the you know, a single person doesn't like you, you try to buy them off. Like, it's OK if people think you're a rich asshole, you know, live your life. You've been handed a great one. And maybe like turns to Jason and like tells him off, be like, and you need to realize you've had a silver spoon up your ass since the day you were fucking born. And like go on this whole thing about like, you know, be proud, be happy of who you are, but don't shit on everyone around you. Everyone else has to work for a living. Be thankful that you don't. And then have her storm off and have all these guys who are fucking waving their dicks around be like, oh, shit. <laughs> like, you know, we, <laughs> yeah. we got told, <laughs> like, you know, yeah. And, and bring it back to like the big men on campus are really the fucking children. You know? Exactly. Exactly. And it was really all about a fucking school. It's a school. It should always have been about the school, not about all this nonsense. And okay, I like where this is going. And we talked about Derek being a teacher at the school and how we should kind of throw him in there so we could have some dialogue sequences and learn some shit. So let me pause and back up. So we just back up to this whole prank war sequence in the middle of the movie where it at one or maybe two situations, we should see that Charlie's grades are slipping, right? Because ah, she's, okay. she's focusing so much on the stupid prank war with Chaz. And all she wanted to do is come to school for – got to pick some. Maybe all she wanted to do is like be a teacher, right? And so she's yeah. in – maybe she's in Derek's class and Derek is teaching like rhetoric or She, she wants to be a, an art history teacher or something Okay, like there, that. there you go. Yeah, that so feels like something that Derek would teach. Perfect. <laughs> Yeah, that's perfect. Right. Exactly. So, you know, and maybe there's a sequence where we see her in class and she's real tired because she'd been up the night before, you know, <laughs> like sneaking into the frat house to do something stupid. And then, you know, that's classic sequence where the teacher is like handing out graded papers and she's got like a B minus and she looks up at Derek and he's just, just shakes her head like, you know, you're slipping Osborne or whatever her last name is, you know. Mm -hmm. And and then we see that again maybe later on, same thing happens. She goes up to him and she's like, you know, I don't I don't know what Derek's last name was, but, you know, like. Like Professor uh, Derek, like <laughs> uh, Lutz. Lutz, that's what it was. Yeah, yeah. It's yep. like, but you're like, oh, Professor Lutz, you gotta like let me take this test again. Like, you know, oh, I was, I was, I'm distracted. Like my brother's in town. Blah blah blah. Or no, she can't say that because we don't want Lutz to know. Uh, you know, whatever. She she gives some excuse and he's just like, you're not taking it seriously, Osborne. Like, you know, or maybe he says like, just like your brother. Like, you're not taking it seriously. You're here, you know, for the yes. parties. I, I see you over at the Melons all the time. And uh, and you know, so she that that's gonna crush her. Like, oh no, I can't believe I'm just like them. And then. You know, but they got, she doesn't learn the lesson yet. She's still kind of caught up in the prank war. So then later on, so now we're going to see this whole thing come to her head where she's just like, I just wanted to go to school. And all she was there for was to learn. And she gets caught up in this dick waving contest. And then, of course, Charlie and Chaz are going to have this heart to heart. So then we're going to kind of cut to let's do. We kind of had our big climax with this whole argument. Now we got to kind of cut to see what's going to happen to everybody. And maybe I don't know that we. You tell me, do we need to have some kind of like a victory scene where maybe Charlie goes to Lutz's class to like take the exam and, you know, she's real worried and he's like, I don't know, like you got to ace this one to pass my course. And then, of course, she's going to ace it like, woo. So she gets that, you know, you got to have that tension victory. Um, 
but something like that. I, I just kind of want to you know, show that, like, without all the distractions in her life, she's able to turn it back around. I almost think that we, we don't even need something that severe. I think w- what we should do is, like, after we have the various heart-to-hearts, like, we have, uh, you know, Chaz and Charlie talk, we have Thornton and Jason talk, you know, um, maybe, like, Lou and Derek are both there, you yeah. know, and, and they're, they're kind of, like, commenting on, you know, like, maybe Derek is honest with, with Mr. Mel and he tells him like, you know, Hey, I've the, just, just my two cents, what I've seen over the years with you and mm-hmm. kind of like explains to him, like how he's never taken it seriously, but just because he hasn't taken it seriously, doesn't mean all the other students coming here don't, you know, that kind of a thing. And like, then we could have this whole back and forth. And so then we like, we go like, uh, you know, it, we fast forward to that spring. So it's like, that was around mm-hmm. Christmas and it's like, you know, the spring semester or whatever. And we see the whole thing with Charlie, like she's doing better. Maybe, um, you know, we see a scene where she's leaving class and Derek is like, would you say Osborne was her last name? I think I'm pretty sure that was Chaz's last name, Osborne. Osborne. Yeah. yeah so maybe he's like, Osborne, good job. So she's like, she's doing better. And then like we see, uh, you know, like we kind of see where all the characters are. Maybe we see Chaz um, has like maybe he's becomes the new diving coach or the new swim coach. Like mm-hmm. Thornton pulls a few strings and gets him as like in a teaching position there. And mm-hmm. so like, he's, he's kind of like Perfect. bringing up the next group of, of swimmers and it's like, and you know, they, they kind of bury the hatchet. And then like, maybe we see Jason is working like, like working in the store. Like he's not <laughs> the manager and maybe, maybe Thornton's like, you know, you got to do a couple years, you know, doing the grunt work first. Like that oh, was the mistake I made. That's so perfect. Cause I had the exact same thing. Yes. <laughs> I had the exact same idea where I was like, we got to have Jason go earn his dues. He skipped that step. So he's yep. got to go backwards. And yeah, that's per- we got to have a scene where we see him kind of like a close up of his face. And he's like, oh, come on, dad, you know, whatever. And they're kind of talking. He's like, I already know the business. I don't need to do this. And, you know, obviously Thornton's going to tell him like what you just said, like, no, you got to pay your dues, but whatever. And then have him like put his little name tag on, just like we saw Chaz do at the beginning, you know, <laughs> yep. and it's, you know, and it's like, you know, a trainee or something on his little right. name tag. And then you, you pan out, you see him behind the counter and like some big guy comes in. He's like, you got this in 56 long, <laughs> you know, <laughs> <laughs> or like, or we, we can see him like doing the same thing. Like we'll, we'll, we'll have the conversation with Thornton and Jason, right? And him telling him, he's like, oh, come on, Dad, I don't want to. And then, like, we see the close-up of, of his name tag, right? And we pan out, and we see him, like, trying desperately to, like, measure around this, like, big guy's waist with the tape. And, <laughs> yes. and have him be like, oh, excuse me, sir, pardon me, hold on. You know, he's trying to, like, get around. Because we got to have a fat joke in there since it was so prominent in the first movie. <laughs> yeah, that's um, probably good. At this point, we can kind of lighten up a little bit, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we have we see him like having to pay his dues, um, you know, but it's like he still he still has a job. We know he has a job that he's like he's going to go back to being a fucking CEO. It's just one of those things where it's like, you know, first he's got to pay his dues. He's got to do a year of grunt work. So I, I, and and of course, like, you know, Thornton learn learns his lesson that, you know, maybe he needs to stop living so vicariously through these kids and, and maybe like become, you know, a responsible adult type of thing. So maybe instead of being the big party guy, maybe he finally graduates and, and moves on. And we see like we see like, OK, the, the we end the movie with like a commercial for Thornton starting his own college. <laughs> yeah. <that's... laughs> Come on down to Mel and you. <laughs> 
yeah, and, yeah, and it would maybe it'd be really cool if we go all the way full circle back to the beginning. So maybe it's like a business school. So he's gonna start his own business school, and it's like he's gonna say, oh, we got classes in accounting and economics, and maybe there's trades like you know textiles and yeah. you know, t- tailoring or whatever. So he's kind of going back to his roots with I'm gonna teach people how to do the job that I learned how to do, but you know, you have to start somewhere. So you, you can't just start off rich. You got to start somewhere. Like I mean, he started working in that uh, tailor shop years ago when he was a kid. So he's, yeah, he'll start a school where he's going to teach people how to do that. And I think that'd be really cool. No, absolutely. Um, and I think that's kind of a fun, like uh stinger almost is like, you know, mm-hmm. he, he, he listened to his dad about the uh, you know, having to have an education, but he's using his life experience to be like, yeah, you can have an education, like you need an education, but you also have to know how the real world works. Yeah, for sure. I think that'd be a great way to end it. And I just want to say one more thing as we have just ended our movie with that. But the, the last scene that we see with Charlie prior to this, you know, when we see Professor Lutz say something to her like, hey, good job. You aced it or whatever. Or, or she passes that big final that she was worried about. So she's like happy because, again, it's like graduation, right? So we, we're going to see. Thornton graduates, so maybe she passes that big final. And let's just have a little scene where, you know, some guy sitting next to her in class is just kind of like, hey, good job. And she turns, and it's it's some, like, cute, nerdy-looking guy. And, mm-hmm. he, and he just kind of gives her a little shy smile, and she turns away and kind of smirks to herself and just kind of end it with, like, okay, things are looking up for her. Because, you know, yeah. she, she wasn't really into this Jake dude, but, you know, she was there at college trying to, like, you know, have the whole experience of go to school, like, have a boyfriend, you know, grow up. And I think it'd be kind of fun to just kind of throw that in there. But, you know, it's a nerdy guy. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I I like having having a uh, happy ending for Charlie. So, yeah, okay, I think we got there. We spent a long time talking about the movie itself and all the great character actors and kind of bitching about the actual back to school plot. And I, I think I like this. I think if we were to do something like this as a sequel and kind of have this little two parter that. Honestly, I think it kind of fixes some of the problems in the first movie because we get to explore those character arcs a little bit better. I'm pretty happy with it. Yeah, no, this is, you know, and I feel like we say this all the time about being nervous uh, before the episode. But like this is one of those ones where I was like, I don't really know what to do with this, because, as I said, the first movie is a fun movie, but there's no point. So the the, the thing was trying to figure out a point. <laughs> you know, it's like, so, yeah. You know, and and yeah, I think I think you're right. Like exploring the failed character arcs of the first movie, and and fleshing them out a bit in the second movie, I, I feel like that gives a lot more credence to the first film. Yeah, I completely agree. This is another one of those ones where we picked a topic just for some arbitrary reason, like, oh, it's back to school. Sure, let's do it back to school. And we put it on the schedule and didn't really think about it that much. Because, <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> like, legitimately, like I was telling you off the air, uh, I was trying to watch this movie, and, it like, life has been so busy lately um, that I, I watched it in, in a couple pieces, and then I was sitting there trying to write notes, and I'm like, I have no idea what to do. <laughs> so I just, like quickly wrote down several scenes and a few ideas and was like i hope this works we'll see what happens yeah i was kind of in the same boat too like i knew that i liked the movie and i was looking forward to watching it again but i wasn't really sucked into it i wasn't really hooked you know i mentioned watching point break again today which i've seen a hundred times but i was instantly like oh i'm in it like i'm i'm keyed into the action Mm -hmm. because i think it or it really starts off on a strong foot 
But Back to School was kind of a little bit of a slow burn, like a character kind of movie, like we mentioned already, ad nauseum. And yeah, I didn't really know what to do with it either. I actually had a bunch of different ideas, but all of my ideas were kind of briefcase ideas, by which I mean, you could have applied it to any movie. And mm-hmm. it was, you know, uh, do the sequel where the characters swap places or, you know, do uh, a reimagining where, like, you know, you change the ending and, you know, Thornton fails or, mm-hmm. you know, where we ended up where it's kind of like, yeah, just do the sequel where it's like the younger sibling or the cousin or we kind of right. did like we kind of did like the Teen Wolf 2 of back yep. to school. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> um, but it's like they're all kind of these like generic uh, sequel or remake ideas where, you again, they kind of apply to anything. They're not really specific to back to school. But I like where we went with it. And for me, it was really set centered on the Chaz character who I thought kind of got the shit end of the stick in the first movie. And I thought that was the hook that I latched onto. There's got to be something more to do with William Zabka. Right. Yeah, and, and I completely agree. I, I feel like that character was like a nothing character in the first movie. Yeah, you know, they they really didn't do anything. Like he was he was there to be the generic bad guy, but he wasn't even that. Yeah, <laughs> you know? I know he was much more interesting in just one of the guys and uh, mm-hmm. in Karate Kid. One of these days we got to do something with just one of the guys. It's going to be super problematic, but I don't know. I still still secretly love it anyway. But every time I think about trying to do something with that, I'm just like, I don't know. Like, there's a lot of landmines there. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. Although although I do love the reveal at the end where uh, I always forget the the actor's name that plays the, the friend. He's like, you're a chick. Where the fuck do you get off being a chick? Like, you got tits? <laughs> yeah, that's what it was. You got yeah. tits. That's what I forgot. But I, I love the shocked reaction. Yeah. That sequence is great. It's a great movie. It's one. It's one. I think it's a quintessential 80s movie, and it's teenagers doing way too adult shit, and it's, mm-hmm. like, super sketchy and, you know, both politically and like socially problematic it's one of those movies that would never get made these days yeah <laughs> but we all secretly love it you know <laughs> the the other two i always think of from the 80s that are like wow these are super problematic but like i fucking loved them as a kid was lover boy and can't buy me love oh fuck yeah dude patrick Dempsey I... <laughs> all day long yes. i fucking loved those movies but looking back as an adult i'm like that's a little fucked up you know? yeah i'm gonna have to watch i'm gonna have to watch lover boy tonight i think <laughs> Just extra anchovies um <laughs> oh man yeah one maybe one of these days we'll, we'll do something with that like maybe we can play around with the uh like the sort of like uh sexual and gender politics in those movies and that could be kind of a fun exercise we can kind of like woke them you know right <laughs> Um, or, or do some kind of like weird quantum leap style crossover, you know, where we have a, a character that's really the same character in all these movies. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's McDreamy. Exactly. <laughs> but since we're going into spoopy season now here in 2023, it's August now, which is like almost September and September is almost October. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, it's almost Halloween. Um, but we do have one more kind of back to school centric episode, not back to school, the Dangerfield movie, but, you know, the the theme of going back to school. 
Yeah, the new school year themed movie. We got one more of those planned, and then we'll kick off our spoopy season multi-episode series, you know, which we always do just because we say that we don't try to always make everything a horror movie, but it's more fun when we do. <laughs> Let's be <Yeah>. honest. <laughs> I mean, well, because, yeah, I mean, because you can do so much crazy shit in a horror movie. But, I mean, we, we definitely oscillate between horror and comedy. Uh, so it, it's like this one, for example. I mean, clearly we were focusing on a comedy and trying to give it a message. But we've we've done that a lot too, like where we're like, all right, let's do another comedy, or let's let's take a comedy and add some you know some danger to it. But uh, but yeah, I, I'm yeah shit, I'm I'm a horror apologist as anyone who knows me knows. Um, so I am all about getting to spoopy season, and I can't wait for our next episode. I think our next episode is going to be a lot of fun. I completely forgot it was on the list. Mm-hmm. Until we were texting the other night and I asked you, like, I remember some of the things that we have planned, but what's the next one? And then you told me, I was like, oh, shit. Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, <laughs> so. See, and that, that's awesome, too. I also kind of forgot about it until I read the schedule. And we, one of our other Halloween specials that's going to come out in, actually in October is another one that you reminded me of. And I'm like, fuck, I forgot to put it on the schedule. It's definitely got to get in there because I don't want to miss the the season this year because of the, the, the theme of the movie that we're going to play off of. But, yep. yeah, the episode we have today Part of the reason why this was just on the schedule and forgotten about was because we try to make sure that we schedule in topics that aren't horror specific. We got to keep the comedies in there. We got to put some dramas in there. We got to do some stuff that isn't movie related every once in a while because, yeah, the movies are fun and it's an easy way to tell a story understanding that you have like a 90 minute cinematic limitation to like get in and get out. I think that works well for our format. But it's fun to riff on comics and TV and video games once in a while. So, yeah, we, we, we had this on the schedule because it's like, OK, we can't just keep doing horror every single time, even though it's fun. <laughs> we got to put something else in there. And the next one, too, is also comedy focused, but we made it kind of dark. So it's like we're just going to kind of ease into spooky season with a little bit of dark and then we'll get creepy. And, you know, I'm sure that we'll end up with some kind of a of a holiday special at the end of the year like we usually do. But anyway, just a quick little very, very vague preview of some things we have coming up in the future. So check us out on RaisedBarMentals.com and at RaisedBarMentals on the socials to stay uh, up to date with the episodes that we have coming out. And, of course, check out RadPantheon.com to look at all of the other Rad Pantheon projects, a super team, podcasters, artists, musicians, you name it, an art collective of creative friends supporting each other to help spread the gospel of rad stuff. So if you like this show, check out RadPantheon.com. Listen to another podcast. Check out one of the artists. Mike, you've got some projects on there. Tell us about some of them. Absolutely. Well, there's the uh, Boogeyman's Closet, which is our weekly horror movie review. We are finishing up our month of uh, unnecessary sequels, and then we're moving on to what a twist. <laughs> so movies with <laughs> with a twist at the end um, for September. I'm very excited about some of the, the entries on that list. We needed a palate cleanser after unnecessary sequels, so I, I curated a list of mostly awesome movies. Um, <laughs> Nice. <laughs> but then there's also Count Creepyhead Saturday Morning Monster Mash Creepyhead with a K, uh, where three grown man children talk about toys and bitch about pop culture. Always a lot of fun. Yes, it definitely is always a lot of fun. So once again, thanks everyone for tuning in to the Raised by Rentals program. If you had fun with us, let us know how you feel. Drop us a line. Leave us a comment. Leave us a rating on the podcast. Tell us what you think we should improv, improve next time. And with that, I'm Josh. I'm Mike. 
and we have to return some videotapes. Wild thing, I think you moved me. But I wanna know for sure. Every time I kiss you, I taste what other men have for lunch. The only thing can get you off is to see me in pain, but I think I love you. No respect, no respect, no respect, no respect. <laughs>